Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Episode 29 of the 2015 offseason. This is our last show for the 15 offseason, which is great. This is show 193, and uh, we're going to get into today talking about the collective tears for the Pyro Brethren uh, and sitting there, and we're going to talk about running backs and tight ends today. I've got Stag Party across the way from me, Dogmatica to my right, I'm D-Rex, we are Pyromaniac.com, Houdini's out in Iowa living it up, he just sent us a picture of him in front of Houdini's Pizzeria, and uh, we're excited to get and talk about some fantasy football. Our previous show, check it out, episode 28, went a little long, so we had to make this into two podcasts. We're sitting here recording on Saturday morning, first thing. What we do for you guys, it's ridiculous. Uh, how's it going, fellas? You guys uh, ready to just kind of get into this and start talking some players? Absolutely. i got to tell you, it's, I don't know why. It, it, it just hit me today how close we are to the season opener. Uh, I mean, I, it, I, for some reason, it's just been lost on me. We've been working hard and everything, and it just seems like all of a sudden it just snuck up on us, all the fourth, uh, the fourth preseason games, all on the same day on Thursday. You're looking at all the news and all the drops and everything after that, and all of a sudden... Bam, here comes the season like a few days later. Bam, dog. Week one rankings are due. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) People are already asking us week one questions, and I haven't even began to look at the matchups or anything. I'm still working out. We pumped out the last version of the draft kit in the last couple days here. So Yeah, go pick that up. We put it out last night. It's available. It's the last version. So uh, just grab it. It's obviously our best version yet, and uh, nice work, fellas. Yeah, I'll be working on that uh, those rankings all day today and probably all day tomorrow. And yeah. Monday, I assume that they'll be done and ready to go. 
That's that's the hope here. I'm gonna sit down and start cranking out some write-ups, and the, you know, all, all those will be available with the new Pyro Pro offering. You know, the stuff that goes into there that we've added, we've added FanDuel and DraftKings prices for that, uh, and you can see examples in the Pyro Free section uh, of the top five players of the week. But yeah. that's all we'll allow you to with the free Pyro Pro will be the rest. And it's awesome. A lot of people are signing up for it. We've been kind of uh, lightly, softly uh, promoting it while we uh, get buttoning it up, and it's looking real good right now. Um, still going to be flushing it out throughout the season, but a lot of people are buying it, so we appreciate that. Pyro Pro, grab it. 40 bucks for the season, uh, 10 bucks for the month, and 5 bucks for the week. Worth it. Great way for you to categorize all your players that are on your different teams, look at the player rankings for them, stories about them, news feeds about them, and most importantly, you can ask us second opinions, direct questions to us about your lineup, about trade offers, about anything under the sun, fantasy football, and we'll directly answer to your question individually. Uh, pretty great stuff. We, last year and the previous three, three years, we've been offering that feature for free, and we're still answering some questions on Facebook because we just don't want to shut the door on you guys. But pretty soon, if you keep coming back to us on Facebook, we're going to tell you, hey, buddy, if you want all these questions answered, we gotta, uh, you got to head over to Pyro Pro and we'll, get, we'll cover you there. So good stuff, good stuff. All right, let's, uh, let's start with the running backs. Let's get it going at number 50. Let's try and breeze through this uh, because we have so much work to do today and we know how long it went last time. So at 50, in tier number 10, um, is going to be David Cobb, the rookie on uh, the Tennessee Titans. What are you guys thinking? My opinion personally is that, well, first of all, he's still nursing uh, some sort of foot injury. Calf ankle. injury. He's yeah. in a walking boot. And he's questionable for that week one game coming up. Um, so, I, I, I mean, it'll take him a little bit to even break into the lineup and get going. But either way, I mean, Tennessee was so bad at running the ball last year. I mean, whether that's... You know, Sankey's fault himself, or the line, or the system, or whatnot. It was just a, an offense that just had it didn't have it, and I don't think that inserting a guy like David Cobb, who's kind of a, a, a slower, you know, barrel type guy, I, I, I don't think that he's gonna make it all that much better. So it, to me, he's more of a late round flyer, personally. Yeah, he's definitely one of your last round picks, and the thing is, you know, Bishop Sankey was okay. He wasn't terrible. He averaged like 2.5 yards after contact, which was one of the top 10 numbers in the league. So you got to blame that offensive line. And we're, we're looking back and we're see, seeing, did this offensive line get any better? And I don't think so. They went out and they traded their big free agent from a couple of years ago, Adam Levitre. Yep. They traded him to the Falcons, where he's going to be a great fit in a different system. I agree. Uh, but in that system, he was miscast and he wasn't very good. So let's see. I don't know if he's ever going to be back. I just don't know if I want a piece of that running game. But eventually, he becomes a value to where you can potentially... He might surpass Bishop Sankey and you know maybe have flex appeal. <laughs> flex appeal, I love yeah. that one. Well, yeah, when people I'm seeing taking him, people kind of seem like, well, I got a little sleeper here. He's going to run. And I, it just doesn't feel quite there yet. I want to see him a little bit more. And if you're, if you're already banged up before the season even starts and you're a rookie and you're, like you said, a barrel or runner on a team that's going to be have a tough find, way to find rushing yards, uh, it, it, it all adds up to a Bad combo. <laughs> yeah, it's not, it's not, a, not wow. a fantasy point uh, kind of operation there. All right, let's go to the next guy. We've got Ronnie Hillman at number 49, still in this tier 10. Uh, 
I'll say this about Hillman. I got him. As, he was Mr. Irrelevant in my draft that I had on Wednesday. It's the last pick of the entire draft, and this is a. Uh, it's a, not a many. Uh, it's an 18 league, so you know you're going to get talent uh, because of the, the small nature of how many teams are in the league. But we go 22 rounds of drafting, so I felt real nice with that value. There's still a lot of guys on the free agency board, but when Hillman is Mr. Irrelevant, if something happens to CJ, which why why can't it? That guy is going to be right back in doing the same things he was doing in the in the earlier part of last season, I believe. I, I fully agree. You, you you got a great last round pick there, if you ask me. Um, listen, he hasn't shown that he could be the man and carry it, you know, fifteen twenty times a game and keep it uh, consistent throughout, you know, more than just a couple of games. Um, you know, he's he's a smaller back who doesn't. Uh, doesn't get the short yardage stuff as, as well as, as CJ or Jawan Thompson, who's who's still there. And Monty Ball, we'll see what happens with him. Uh, he could probably be cut by four o'clock could today. Could be either cut or <laughs> traded. Know, or traded. Uh, most likely cut because I don't think a team would trade for him at this point. What's the point if he's getting cut? But Hillman, uh, if, if CJ Anderson does get injured, he'll be the next man up. And granted, it'll probably be some sort of committee, but on a team that's going to be running more anyway. I think he'll be used uh, in in a lot more situations than he was last year. Uh, so, I mean, either way, he's going to have a bit of standalone value, not a, a tremendous amount, but if C- he's a great handcuff or backup or whatever to uh, C.J. Anderson. I, I like him there. The thing is, Ronnie Hillman, if he gets too many carries, he averages like three and a half yards a carry. Yeah. So he's better in that 10 to 12 carry range where he could chop off some seven-yard runs and end up with like 12 for 84. Like, that's kind of who Ronnie Hillman is. He's a slasher, one of those, you know, speed scat-back types, and he's very good as a receiver. So he's he's got some standalone value. I think he'll be the, you know, opening day change of pace back. But if something were to happen to C.J. Anderson, I think he'd be that 1A runner with a Juwan Thompson in the short yardage kind of complement. Fully agree. And with that offensive line, you know, struggles and... But just the offensive system in general should be pretty good. Agreed. All right, let's go to 48, and this is Duke Johnson. What's your value there? Obviously, there's a lot of buzz happening with him in the last week, uh, and people thinking uh, Crowell's been kind of a a little bit of a a letdown, uh, being heading into camp as the man and not really doing much with it and turning heads. What do you guys think? Is Duke Johnson going to be – is that whole running back by uh, community or whatever you guys call it, (laughs) is that in full effect, or is somebody going to get the lion's share? Uh I think it's going to be a running back by community, especially when they're going out and they're looking for another veteran presence today. They're they're searching the waiver wire. They're searching you know the trade docket. And they're looking for a veteran running back. Uh, you know there are some options out there. They're obviously not happy with the guys they got in. Uh, Duke Johnson's missed most of camp with a hamstring injury, and he's just not ever been a picture of health. He's had ACL injuries and shoulder injuries. And he's kind of one of those guys that'll start a game and then miss three series and then come back and just annoy the crap out of you. <laughs> it's, it's so true. The, the, the whole situation there is avoidable, to, you know, to say the least. I think that Duke definitely has uh, the best skill set total package of, of all of them. Um, I, I think Crowell is a, is a better runner. Uh, more violent runner when he wants to be, which isn't often enough. Um, and 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 West actually has a, a pretty good skill set as well. But they want to get Duke involved. They want him. They draft him for a reason. They t- they took this guy t- to be a great complement to somebody else and possibly be the number one guy I- in the future. Who knows? 
but his, his health is the biggest problem and he's had these problems stemming back all the way to high school. Um, so that's something that you have to be wary of in drafting him. I wouldn't expect the world out of him. Um, to me, any of those backs, are, none of them are going to be on my team this year. I, I, I do love and I always have loved Isaiah Crowell, but until he shows his heart on the field, um, that's not going to happen either. Yeah, I mean, he's better in PPR than he is in standard. They want to use him in different sort of passing situations. They want to use him with two running back sets uh, and allowing him to sort of motion out wide into the wide receiver position, play a little bit of slot. So in a PPR format, he does have a little bit of appeal, uh, but he's still you know a running, running back four or five flyer. Yeah. If there's flex appeal, what you got to come up with a, a coin name for PPR appeal. That's on you. By one of the next few podcasts, you gotta you gotta come up with some new some new words there. Keeper uh, appeal. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Devontae Freeman's coming in next. Uh, let's move on. Uh, <laughs> we could say we could say one or two things here. One, you're still injured. You know, it, it, it's he's got to get healthy to compete with the rookie uh, Tevin Coleman. Even when he got chances last year, he didn't show all that much. Um, this backfield is just not going to be. It's this is going to be a more of a passing offense. We all know that they need to mix in the run a little bit more to free things up. But it's going to be more of a passing offense regardless. And I just don't see Devonta having that much of an impact for fantasy teams this year. I mean, he's their third down back though, so he's going to be PPR appeal. So you play in those type of leagues, you got to know about him. He's the best pass blocker on that team, best pass protector. Uh, you know, is good in the receiving game. You know, they let go of Jaquiz Rogers basically so he could have that role to himself. He's not going to be an every down guy, though. He's just not built that way. He's going to have options. I mean, they do throw to the running back a little bit there, and, you know, it's ugly. He's got to get back on the field, but they don't want Tevin Coleman to be their three down guy either. They're, they're, we'll talk about Tevin Coleman a little bit later, but they're pulling the reins on Tevin Coleman and almost giving more you know reps to whoever else is healthy in camp right now. Yeah. Well, they're worried to save him? I don't think so. Well, I think they're worried about a lot of things he's doing right now. Yeah, well, health is always a big issue as well. Um, and, and neither Coleman nor Freeman have been healthy this preseason all that much. Coleman finally got back on the field and, and had a couple of really nice runs in the uh, that last preseason game, but... Uh, and that is actually what will probably get him uh, the, the first and second down job. I just don't see Freeman turning out 15 to 30 yard runs like Coleman can. Um, but you're right, Freeman does have the PPR appeal. All right, 46 in that same tier 10. Reggie Bush, 49ers. What are you guys thinking? He's obviously in the past shown a nice little burst and a pep in his step when he's on grass. That's an upside for him being there in Levi Stadium. Uh, what, what's the opportunities present for him on that team? I'm starting to sour a little bit on Reggie Bush. I mean, it sounds like Carlos Hyde is going to get all three downs worth of work as of now. So I'm getting a little excited about him. He's looked really good in the preseason in Carlos Hyde. He's been able to catch the ball. He was their third down back last year as a compliment to Frank Gore. Uh, he got the most third down uh, reps at running back on that team last year in Carlos Hyde. So I don't know if Reggie Bush is going to be more than just the backup and change of pace back as of today. Uh, Hyde has definitely looked a lot better than I expected. Um, he was having troubles uh, 
I don't know, towards the end of last year, the, the, the eye test was bothering me a little bit, and he, he's had some injuries that he's been dealing with, and uh, the 49ers team was just stripped of uh, pretty much anybody who was there two years ago. It's pretty much gone, uh, or three years ago. So it's it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough going for that offense. But the, one of the reasons why I do like Hyde, uh, like I do, why I do like Reggie Bush, it's because one Hyde has been getting some injuries, and if you're going to try and throw him out there for three downs uh, throughout a game, that's just not going to work. They need to scale him back a little bit just to keep him healthy through the year. So Bush is going to get a little more play. Second, they're going to be playing from behind a, a, a bunch this year. If you ask me, this is not this defense is not nearly as good as it used to be. The offense is going to struggle. And uh, Bush gives them a little bit more of a lightning factor that uh, they may want to get in there a little bit more. I, I, I can't say somebody that I, I, will, I would take any time in the first you know, t- 10, 12 rounds or, or whatever. But if you can get them really late, that's perfectly fine with me. It's not a terrible uh, stash to have, especially if Hyde gets hurt, uh, gets hurt this year. Top of Tier 10. Oh, you got something more on Bush? Yeah, just real quick. I mean, Vegas currently has their win total like 6.5. So they're not going to be a very good team. No. They're going to have to throw a lot, and Reggie does have that explosion factor that just isn't available with a 230, possibly 240-pound Carlos Hyde. True. Good point. At the top of uh, Tier 10, Jarek McKinnon. Uh, Obviously, AP is back. What what does this guy provide um, with uh, if AP... What what are you thinking this season? I... You know, AP's our number one back, so we obviously have a lot of trust in him and what he's going to be able to do on all three downs. But when the change of pace comes in, it's going to be Jarek McKinnon. Matt Asiata is more of like the true handcuff per se, but uh, McKinnon's the uh, change of pace back where he's going to be asked to do some more things. And I also think they're just going to use his athleticism a little more. They might use him at wide receiver. They might use him you know, on kick and punt returns. This is one of the most athletic guys in the NFL, and they want to get the ball in his hand a couple times a game. So he's going to get some run. He's not going to end up on any of my teams, really, though. Uh, as much as I like the talent, I just don't think I could spend the draft capital knowing he's probably going to get next to nothing. Here's my thing with McKinnon. You gotta love his athleticism. You gotta love his versatility. But the fact of the matter is that AP is back, and North Turner tends to use one back and use him heavy. You know, I mean, what he did for Ladainian Thompson basically turned him into a, a, a fantasy icon. You know, the teams were, you know, fantasy leagues were banning Ladainian Thompson from being drafted because he was so much better than everybody else. So the way that they're they're planning on using AP is basically that way. If McKinnon, Second of all, when it comes to McKinnon, he's also not a touchdown guy. Even when he did get the play last year and he was getting the starting job and he was getting the first down uh, carries and all that, he wasn't in there for the touchdowns. He had what? Two? Yeah, he got vultured. None. That's, he had no, oh, he no had, touchdowns. Well, that, there you go, right there. So even if, he do, if AP does get hurt, which he won't, AP is going to have a phenomenal year. Mark my words on this. But McKinnon, it, it just... The, the value for just the, the third down play there, and I don't even think he'll get it as much as you think, just doesn't do it for me. Um, I, and when it comes down to it, even if AP is gone, like you said, Asiata will be right there handcuffing with uh, you know McKinnon, and as Asiata will still get the touchdowns. Yep. The only thing you have to hope for Jarek McKinnon is they use him in a Sproles-type role. Uh, like right when... LT was at the twilight of his career, you know, Sproles sort of came in and provided that lightning factor. That is your best case scenario when it comes to Jarek McKinnon. Yeah. 
All right, let's go to the next guy. Tier number nine. Uh, which uh, pick is this? Tier number nine, and this is 44th pick. Matt Jones, rookie, loving this guy. Uh, Scott McLaughlin uh, went out and got him. He wants same dude uh, that made sure that Seattle, when he was with them, went after and traded Marshawn Lynch. He likes this guy. It's his little uh, mini Marshawn Lynch. I think this guy is going to get a plenty of opportunity. Still love Alfred Morris, but we'll see. This could be the worst team in the league. Uh, at a certain point, you got to see what you got and you see what talent you, you, you brought into the mix uh, for next year and for the next draft. And I think that Matt Jones, uh, especially because he's going so late, he's creeped. He's crept up because we've been higher on him. Some other people have recognized. He's cre creeping up a little bit over the last few weeks, but still super high value. Um, before you guys go on, a super funny thing uh, that, I, that I was reading about is uh, Scott Coughlin's wife, who's a super smoke show. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you guys know the story about Scott Coughlin, but he used to be the GM of the Niners, and they said he would just drink in his office all the time, pass out. and They canned him, and now he's back with the uh, Redskins. Good story. And, uh, ESPN the magazine about him if you ever want to search it online but hot smoke show Kaufman but uh, was tweeting over his wife was tweeting to some woman at ESPN about so how many BJ's did you have to get to give to get that story yeah that so call awesome. her of side chick and stuff like that it was hilarious I mean I gotta love you know she's just at home drinking martinis go make that money Scott go <laughs> make that money let's go we're gonna just let's just get make as much money so we can drink into eternity once you get canned again yeah, and, and then Snyder of course hired his black Ops to come over there and force her to write an apology, which she did uh, to, to the ESPN, uh, whoever else that she uh, wrote that to. Good story, though. Twitter, that's, that's Twitter I mean, I gotta be honest, if I, was an, if I was an owner of a team, I'd be like, you know, I'm about to give you like 12 million bucks. You know what you're gonna have to give me? Cancel your Twitter account. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Nothing good happens there. Cause nope. I, well, I'm on it. You, I get in battles every once in a while. You're sitting there and someone is a jackass to you and trolls on you, and you're like, Dude, F off, and you go nuts, it's, it gets combative. Not, I'm not in the fucking mood, all yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. Could you imagine if you're a rich athlete that's famous and people are all haters on you? I mean, could you imagine Kanye's inbox and direct, like, oh, the tweets that that guy must get? It's just got to be hard not to just go off. One guy who runs like he's not in the mood is Matt Jones. He's just a bad mamma jamma between the tackles. Oh, yeah. The question is health. That's why he fell so far in the draft. Uh, yeah, just because he couldn't seem to stay healthy, put a full season together at Florida. But he is a very physical runner. And if I could redo my tiers again, I'd probably move him up even more. The word coming out of Washington now is they're planning a full-on one-two punch with these guys. They're planning to use Matt Jones in a 1B type role, planning to get him on the field in third downs, Planning to, you know, potentially let him in near the red zone, sort of let them both split red zone carries. And I'm starting to sour a little bit on Alf. Alf's never really been a guy I've wanted on any of my teams, just because he's not sexy. And I'm all about having sexy fantasy teams being in the air. Uh, yeah. And, well, now, and he never had anybody that kind of cramping his style, too. Alfred, now you're saying that uh, Matt Jones is going to do that, so it's a reason to be down on him. Well, it... If I could redo my, my tiers right now, which I will be doing for myself regardless. i got a big draft on Monday. Um, I, I would move Matt Jones up as well, and I would move Alf down a bit. But he, here's the thing. Um, when the Redskins decided that it was going to be Kirk Cousins, that hurt them both. Mm -hmm. uh, Alf especially. Um, and, it, you know, you can't run as well when you got a pocket passer as opposed to a running quarterback. 
a running quarterback opens things up for guys a lot a lot more. Alfred Morris was enjoying that to its full extent and, ha and had some really good seasons and good games and stuff when RG3 was in there. But with Kirk Cousins in there, it's going to be tougher to run, tougher to find holes. And the thing about Morris, though, is that he's consistent. He's very consistent, and he always gains yards, and he doesn't get hurt. That's going to hurt Jones here. I, 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 Jones may be a very talented, even more talented back than, than Morris, and he probably is, but they love the consistency in Alfred. Alfred has shut his mouth, gone about his business, done everything that they've ever wanted, and it's tough to just go away from a guy like that and, and, and diss him and, and take the rug out from under him just because you got a rookie who's got somewhat of the same type of power back skills. Yeah, I'm... I'm not thinking Alf's there next year. And I'm thinking this is a long-term move. So eventually, they are going to want to see what they got in Matt Jones. Later in the season. Whether, later, yeah. How many carries that is, maybe they both get in the 15-carry range at some point in the season. But right now, it's probably going to start out with Alf getting you know 20 carries and not much else. And then you know Matt Jones getting maybe 12 touches. Yeah, I, I figure close to 8 or 9. I think they're going to end up having to pass a little more. So it might be 20 for Alf, 8 or 9 for Jones to start off. That's that, That's pretty much what, what it's going to be for a little bit. All right, let's go to 43. And you, we got Niall Davis, uh, handcuffed, late round, suit extraordinaire. Um, I have personally been on his jock for a while, but I'm a little, I'm souring a little bit on it too. I think, uh, I don't know, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about Jamal. I, still, he and, he's, and Niall's starting to go a little too high for my rich. He's a little rich for my blood at this point. But what I don't, we talk about him a lot. I don't think we need to cover him too much. But if you guys have anything up to date to say on him, uh, throw it out there. Still the ultimate lottery ticket. That's about it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yes, and they also like uh, the, the kid, Cherkandrick uh, West, um, there, who actually just got a concussion, but they kept him around, too. Now is the, uh, you're right, he's the ultimate lottery ticket. If, if Jamal goes down, he's a great guy to have, but he'll he'll get eaten into a little bit this year. Won't be standalone with him. He won't get every single touch. It, it, they might mix in a little bit something else if uh, Charles gets injured. All right, in Tier 9 here, we've got at pick 42... You got Javarius Allen, Buck Allen. Uh, what's the updated news? Is this guy going to be uh, the, the the cat's meow? Sound like Mo there? Uh, <laughs> you know, oh, I, I, here's here's the thing. I I, I do love his his skill set, and it it is perfect for a Tressman type offense. But he hasn't shown it yet. The the preseason, he was actually really really bad. 2.9 uh, yards a carry. I think it was 2.5 yards a carry uh, during the preseason here. Lorenzo Taliaferro is the third back there um, at this point, and he's injured. Um, so that, that shouldn't be a, a big problem for him to start off the year. He'll be that number two. But the latest that came out here is that uh, Baltimore is going to be trolling for a veteran running back to bring in and, and back up for set in just in case. It's tough going into a season when you're a team that's expecting to win and expecting to be uh, somewhere at least close to the top of their division and in the playoffs. Depending on a guy like Justin Forsett for a second year in a row, I just it's it's so iffy going into that knowing that you only have a rookie behind him. So I don't blame him for going out and trying to find a veteran uh, running back to complement there. So Buck will probably take a, a little while. He's a, he's a flyer later, later on in fancy drafts at this point. I liked him a lot more earlier on. He was being talked up a lot. And the skill set, uh, set shows, but... Like I said, the problem here is that uh, they don't want him as the sole backup to force set, so it'll take him a while to actually get some action. 
Plus, he'd probably be a guy that would be vultured in a Matt Asiata type role if yeah. he were to take Lorenzo Talafiero as Matt Asiata and then, you know, uh, Javoris Allen as a less athletic Jarek McKinnon. And yeah. that would be the exact situation Pretty he much. would be in without uh, Justin Forsett. Yeah. Because we're not going to talk about him because he's lower on, in, in, in the list of running backs, Matt Asiata, a guy in my league uh, in my draft the other day on Wednesday, was sure, and I just want to bounce this off you if you've heard this, if you think it could happen, that Matt Asiata was going to go to the Cowboys and be like their main stud running back. Is there, where is he coming up with that? I have no idea. I, know, I have not <laughs> heard that. He's like, he's like, he's like, put it in the bank. He like went high on him, and I'm like, not too high, but I was like, Matt Asiata was like, he was like, he thought it was his favorite pick of the draft, and I was like, where are you getting this intel? Trade Twitter has not told me that one yet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. yeah. All right. I heard it. Well, uh, let's go. D Mac is uh, next guy on the list at number forty-one. I guess Matt Asiata, you don't believe is going to be taking his job. There's a little buzz right now because he's. He's bundled up and put together a few nice runs, and you've get, seen the glimpse of, uh, of why the guy, I think, was a fourth overall pick about six, seven years ago. Uh, is is Mac going to have a, an opportunity to shine for fantasy football owners this year? D- Darren McFadden is um, uh, he's another it's a lottery ticket type thing. Again, I mean, if he does happen to stay healthy, I think that I think he's a better back than Joseph Rick. I'll, t- I'll tell you that right now. If he's healthy and running well, uh, which he, he very well could be, then especially with this offensive line, he has more firepower uh, to take the reins than Joseph Randall does. But it's tough to depend on a guy who can't stay healthy, who um, was putting up some really poor stats and poor years and poor show on tape over there with Oakland for a little bit. But I blame the system there in Oakland more and, and the offensive line uh, for him not getting as many holes. You put him in that Dallas system, there's going to be huge holes. There's just going to be a lot of room to run and catch passes and do what he does best. You're taking a chance, though, because he just can't stay uh, stay healthy. I like him right here at this spot, and I think he's a pretty good a pretty good chance to take um, at this point. They're going to try going with a, a, a committee at this point. Uh, it's not going to be just random. Guys, can we have a moment of silence for the cutting of Tim Tebow? He got cut? He got cut. Oh. Uh. After they traded Barkley, too, so he's yep. going to go with two guys. The thing is, it's a perfect roster move, right? Because you have two quarterbacks who you're fairly confident in, and then you've got Tebow. Nobody else in the league is going to sign Tebow. So you got your third quarterback, and you know he's going to be on the street all season if one of them were to get injured. I love what I was seeing on Thursday night out of him. I mean, other than that la- that interception he threw, which you, you can just tell, he was like, this is the best game of my life. I'm going to be throwing them anywhere, and God above is going to get these balls into the receiver's hands. Uh, but he, until that, he was looking pretty awesome. I'm surprised he got cut. But that goes to show you about Parkey now is should be is going to be a better uh, option to kicker than you than we might have thought. Because I think if Kelly was yeah, planning on doing a lot, <laughs> yeah, and if well, those they are going to score a lot. Oh, I'm sorry, that sucks. I like Tebow in the league. I know most people don't, but screw it. I don't like him doing th- commercials about abortions during the Super Bowl and talking about God all the time and Jesus Christ. But other than that, he's a good dude. Uh, hopefully he gets another crack at it. If not, we'll see on uh, ESPN for college games again. Darren McFadden is one of the most tired, talked about guys. I'm not going to talk about him anymore. Right. It hurts me to talk about it. Trey Mason, number 40, tier oh, 9. Man. What are we thinking? Uh, he got banged up, right, this week? Trey, yeah. Um, A couple it, weeks ago, yeah. straight hamstring. Uh, pulled hamstring. Unknown, you know, on his return, questionable for week one. 
the question is, now that they're both banged up early season, who's going to be the better option? And we knew at least Trey Mason was going to have a role for the first couple weeks. Now that role's sort of up in the air, and it's looking like a Betty Cunningham show in week one. Uh, that's not necessary. I, I think that I think that Trey um, will end up playing in week one. It'll probably be in a complimentary role as opposed to the straight out, I, I, I'm getting the rock all the time role. So that's kind of a bummer from Mason owners here, but um, I still believe that even if he doesn't play that first week and it's uh, the Benny Cunningham show, <laughs> sorry, that's, that sounded funny to say. Uh, it felt like uh, yeah. Fonz or something. <laughs> the Dick and Dyke show. So I still think. I was thinking about what's uh, with, with the Fonz. Uh, yeah, uh, Happy Days. Happy Days, yeah. Uh, anyway, so. Um, I do think that Trey Mason does have uh, some still has some value. I still think they're going to bring Gurley along slowly. Um, they haven't turned him loose yet, and I, I doubt, to be honest, I doubt he'll be active for that first game. So Mason will be there. He'll still have some uh, good value in the first uh, you know month or so. But at, at this point, you're right. I think he's uh, with that injury. It's going to be tough going. It's slow going at first. Uh, maybe he'll pick up speed after second, third, fourth game, and I still think he's going to be a good complement to Gurley throughout the year. So he'll still have some some decent value. All right, let's go to uh, Alfred Blue sitting at the top of Tier 9, pick 38, or uh, ranked 38. Uh, no, excuse me, 39. Um, hit me. This guy, I have no idea what's going to happen. Now you're hearing that, that – uh, Area. Foster is coming back within the first four games and going to be fine in, in the end of this month, September. Uh, I didn't know what Alfred Blue was going to be able to do even with him gone with the quarterback situation and kind of an iffy offense. What are your expectations with Blue? I saw him get drafted way too high for my liking in my draft on Wednesday. What are your thoughts? I, I would agree. And to be honest, I think I would actually... The thing is, is that he's a pick 100 to... 100% dependent upon how you feel about Arian Foster. Um, if even if Foster does come back in, you know, the fourth, fifth, fifth week, sixth week, or whatever, uh, there's no guarantee that he lasts more than a quarter. <laughs> I mean, that that guy gets injured more than any other running back in the entire league. Uh, Darren McFadden, maybe excluded, <laughs> but he, that's what you're depending on. But even if Mace, uh, uh, Foster isn't there, you're looking at a guy who may be. Sharing the load with with a guy like a, a you know a, a Polk or a Grimes or whoever else ends up being there in that backfield because fact of the matter is Blue is not that good. He doesn't have a great skill set. He's not fast. He doesn't do anything special. But if they get you know like last year he was a standalone guy there when Foster was out and he they gave him the rocks between 20, 25 times and you're gonna put up some sort of points with that. Which he did, because that's the way that Houston running backs work. It's volume, it's system, and that's that's what happens. I don't think he's a great high pick. Uh, I think they'll get sick of him after a little bit and start to use uh, Grimes and... and uh, who's, the, who's the other one there? It's not Grimes. It's Grimes Polk. and... No, Polk's somewhere else now. And it, or it's, or it's, yeah, well, Grimes is back now, but there's somebody else. Uh, maybe it is Polk. Um, anyway, it, Polk. but I think that... Uh, They'll sour on Blue after a little bit because he's such a plotter. He just doesn't show much. They'll get uh, they'll get Grimes and Polk in there, and I don't know. It's Blue won't be on one of my teams this year for sure. Blue is injury dependent and volume dependent. You know, when he got like twenty eight carries and thirty carries, he's very valuable for the couple games he play, uh, filled in for uh, Arian last season. The thing is, the greatest predictor of injury later in a season 
his previous injuries in that season. So when you're looking at you know a guy likely to get injured, Arian Foster's got to be at the top of that list. And all these guys with hammy pulls, you know, they're at the top of the list for to lose there. But yeah, Alfred Blue is not a, a transcendent talent. Uh, maybe like a Niall Davis in terms of size, speed, score. That if he were to get the job for a prolonged period of time, that he would just blow it out. Yeah, I love it. All right, uh, tier number eight. This is pick uh, ranked thirty-eight. We got Tevin Coleman. We talked about him a little bit before, so let's not go too deep into it. But um, you know, the skill, the talent, the athleticism's there. You guys have always been worried about the heart and the being able to take a hit. Does. Does his talent get um, level shrink because now he's in the NFL and all these guys are fast and badasses? Yes. But does that mean that he couldn't uh, mature and become a better player himself and work his way into being a good pro? I'm really excited to see what happens because I think he is in the perfect situation to get a good run this year. But, again, he worries me because it is feast or famine with this guy. Well, I think that's kind of the point, though, with him. Atlanta last year tried working in with their dynamic pass game. They tried working in a slow and steady type talent like uh, Steven Jackson. You know, they wanted, you know, the guy who can get you three, four yards, you know, every carry and just move chains here and there. Jackson, of course, was injured a bit and that didn't work out so well. But even when he was there, it didn't add all that much to the offense. That's why they went out and they, they drafted this kid who can make a difference. The explosion factor with Tevin Coleman is what they were looking for. And that's why this guy, they're going to give this guy every bit the chance to take over that starting role and run with it. The fact that he can eat off a good, you know, 15, 20-yard run, you know, every third or fourth carry is a huge thing with Atlanta. Because when you got all those receivers, three really good receivers running downfield and uh, opening up that secondary and pushing, pushing the box back a bit, to be able to have and find holes is a lot easier for a running back. And for somebody like Tevin Coleman, that makes all the difference. You give him a nice hole, which we talked about quite a bit during the offseason. When he gets a hole, it's it's super fun to watch. And that guy can jet through it and score from anywhere, basically. Um, I don't see Freeman doing that. I've never, seen, I've never seen Freeman being that type of guy. Tevin Coleman, I think, is what they wanted for this type of offense. So I think he's the one who gets the run there eventually. When you give me a haul, it's a good time to watch, too. I will not be taking pictures, that's for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Shane Marine. It's good that I'm still a total pervert, even sober and hungover on Saturday morning. (laughs) All right, we got uh, Shane Marine is sitting there at number 37 in Tier 8. Obviously, PPR is is pretty important for him. What are your thoughts, Stag Party, on what he's going to be able to do? Do you like him better than Jennings? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. First off, this offense has not looked good at all. This offensive line looks real bad, which makes me think Shane Vereen's going to look better. Mm-hmm. Because in the dump-off type role, in the screen game, he's going to look pretty good after these guys run for two yards. In these sort of dump-off routes and letting him pick up six or seven, and it, what should be a very, very pass-happy offense. Hoppy. Uh-huh. Hoppy, hoppy. <laughs> um, so, I, I like Vereen. I think he's very PPR dependent. I don't know what he's going to be in the standard of the league. The question is, is he going to get any carries like he's sort of gotten in the past in New England? The 80 to 100 carry range. Or if he's strictly going to be a pass catcher. 
Is he going to be put into that Danny Woodhead type role in San Diego two years ago? Or is he strictly, you know, Kevin Folk of pass? Uh, that's the major question. I don't know the answer. You know, it's a running back by community. I don't know where the touchdowns are going to come from. They're saying Andre Williams is the short yardage back. Shane Breen's the third down back. And Rashad Jennings is the starter early down back. That scares the crap out of me when they split up all the fantasy production over three guys. Uh, so. uh, agreed. Agreed. I will tell you something for sure. Jennings will not make it the year. <laughs> so it will be a, a tandem of Vereen and Williams. Williams uh, is a bit of a plotter, and Vereen has the dynamicism to be able to do a lot of different things in, in that offense. Um, they, they like opening it up. They have the receivers to be able to open up. Uh, that offense um, is a move and go and, and quick hitch type thing. And with that offensive line being in the shambles that it's in, Vereen, I think, gets a little more play than you think um, eventually. It may be slow starting, but I think he does get a little more play and a few more runs than you're thinking, too. Nice. Sankey. Let's get to him. 36 in Tier 9. Bishop Sankey, we talked about him a little bit with Cobb earlier. Blaze through him. Thoughts? Basically, the thing is, they don't need, even with David Cobb out, they're still not going to give him a full workload for the first couple weeks of the season. They're still planning on using Antonio Andrews, still planning on using McCluster in a third down type role. Uh, I, he could develop into something later in the season, but early in the season, he's just going to be exactly what he was last year. And that's not something you should be inserting into your starting lineup. Uh, last thing I'll say on, on this, on, on him, is that second year uh, is a big difference. Um, you're, you're just learning the playbook and learning all the little nuances of, of the NFL game. You get in there for a second year, uh, things start to open up and things come a little smoother and you run things a little quicker. He did a lot of work in the offseason and from what I hear, he, he looks better and he's running things a lot smoother. It could open up for him a little bit. I'm still not expecting a lot. I expect it to uh, be a lot of Mariota, actually, and a lot of passing that ball around. 35, a guy that we love. Uh, I'm actually surprised. I actually was listening to Pyromaniac Mo had a fantasy football talk with Sigmund Bloom uh, yesterday morning. It was the second time Sigmund Bloom's been on. Uh, I like that guy, Bloom. He, know, he knows his stuff. He's obviously a heady fantasy football guy, really looks at the tape and, and, and digs deep. And he was, uh, he was saying that he was, he was gaga about Woodhead, kind of the way we have been, um, that you guys, especially in a PPR zone where even with the Melvin Gordon, he's just going to be, he's, he's going to be very relied on because he's so reliable. I think it's almost especially because it's a, because it's a Melvin Gordon. If it was a, <laughs> if it was a veteran running back, uh, there that they know that they could depend on to, to do certain things. I don't think Woodhead would maybe get as much play. But you mean Danny Woodhead? <laughs> yeah. yeah so Woodhead. If it was a Danny Woodhead and Danny Woodhead combination, boom! My <laughs> phone. <laughs> uh, Rivers loves him. Uh, the, the, the This type of offense loves him uh, being out there. And the fact that Melvin is a rookie and hasn't quite looked up to uh, you know expectation yet Woodhead's going to be a steady factor that's I mean people forget the guy had, had what eight touchdowns that uh, previous year you know after he got injured last year but the previous year 2013 that's a lot of touchdowns out of a third down roll out of, you know I'm a huge fan of the guy we all are so Melvin Gordon has looked like a freshman in high school trying to find the hole for the first time and not on the football field. Yeah. <laughs> That's what he's looked like through these preseason games. He's just been running into the back of his offensive line and then trying to break it out with no luck. 
Danny Woodhead is going to have a role, and it's going to be bigger than probably we expect. And that makes for fantasy goodness. Absolutely. And the things he could do in pass protection, we got to remember, two years ago, this was the ultimate dink and dunk offense. They dinked and dunked the shit out of everybody. You remember that uh, Thursday night game against the Broncos where they came back just dinking and dunking? Woodhead, Allen, Gates, everybody was getting dinked and dunked too. It, and for PPR, that's lovely. It changed the thought and the way that the te- that teams ended up playing the Broncos for the le- for the rest of the year and and beyond. Um, that's how they beat them, and that's how he does get. That's how the Broncos do get beat, holding on to that ball, dinking and dunking. Um, it was great against that uh, type of defense as well. Woodhead's going to get a lot of play. I love the kid. Awesome. Let's go to the top of this uh, eighth tier pick uh, draft ranked. Excuse me. I don't know why I keep saying pick because I'm doing drafts. Ryan Matthews. I scored him as a as a handcuff to um, Demarco Murray. What what's not to like? You know, he's an in, he's obviously an injury waiting to happen. But when he does play, he's a solid running back. He's he's on at the high powered team that's going to be. Have more plays than any other team by far, which allows him, even when Marco Demarco is healthy, to still get a lot of opportunities. The thing is, he is now the ultimate handcuff. He has taken away now Davis's, you know, sort of ultimate handcuff role from the last couple seasons because this guy will get a crap load of carries without Demarco Murray, and he has standalone value at like ten to twelve touches a game. So he's gonna have you know value as a flex potential uh, player early in the season, but without DeMarco Murray, he's an arguably top 10, top 12 weekly running back. That offensive line is great for run blocking. The tempo is great for run blocking. The accuracy of the quarterback is great for run blocking. The scheme is great uh, for Matthews. He, He can catch the ball. He can hopefully score touchdowns. That's been the one main detraction in Ryan Matthews' career after getting... You know, them expecting them him to fill the Lindanian Tomlinson role when LT's out there scoring 20-plus a season, and, you know, Matthews he, can't get in there more than seven or eight. But he, when he does get in there, he can rattle off some nice long ones. Uh, that's one thing I do like about Matthews is he's a guy that can score from 40 out, and uh, he's got that kind of explosion. But, yeah, if, he, if the scoring can go up for him or, lo and behold, something does happen to DeMarco, yeah, and he and this guy's healthy, and it's kind of that serendipitous season where he's actually able to hold, keep it, hold on to his health. Matthews is a is, is a good time for a, a middle round draft pick. All right, uh, I got nothing more to say on him. You said it all. That's exactly right. Cool. Uh, tier number seven. This is pick uh, ranked thirty three. Joyke Bell. He's. Uh, I like the two guys we were just talking. After him, more than I like Joyke Bell. I mean, go ahead. He's. Going to have the early down work. He's going to be the goal line back, and you know that's pretty much what he's done the last couple seasons. He's finished as a top 20 running back both seasons. The major question is health. He finally got back on the practice field and, and looked you know fairly good. This offensive line should be improved, and this offense as a whole has looked improved through the preseason. They've looked like you know that Matthew Stafford is going to be able to chuck it around a little bit more, and that's going to open up holes for Joey Bell early. He's still an adequate third down back should they need him to catch. He doesn't need to come off the field. He's better in pass protection than Abdullah, who is also very good. But the thing is, he's probably going to be the touchdown maker. He probably should be ranked higher, but the injuries are scaring the crap out of everybody. The thing is, I'm not so scared of the 
injuries happening during the year because he seems to play through them and play through them fine and then just wait for the offseason to get a whole nother you know, <laughs> bunch of surgeries. Um, which is fine, whatever. He'll just not be able to walk in about 10 years. But the fact of the matter is that uh, what scares me is that these surgeries are starting to slow him down. And he wasn't a quick guy to begin with. Um, so if he's even slower this year, which we haven't been able to see yet because he hasn't been back quite yet, um, then he might get overtaken by Abdullah at some point. And that's, I mean, Abdullah, again, is a rookie, and I think Detroit, because they're in a, in a winning situation and want to, want to get this offense ramped up one more notch, uh, which is one of the reasons why they grabbed Abdullah and got rid of Bush. They were sick of the on-and-off-field stuff. Abdullah will be there, and I think that Abdullah will end up being more dependent than they think as a rookie. So if Bell does start plotting like he was last year at various times, and if those, inju- if those injuries and surgeries in the offseason take their toll on him, uh, then Bell will still he'll still get play, but it won't be in the range where he was in the previous couple of years. We ended up in the twenties, and even last year, I think in the teens in overall uh, uh, fantasy scoring. Thirteen, maybe. Um, yeah. I mean, that's uh, that's pretty well, solid. Fourteen, very, yeah, it's solid yeah, for, games. for a guy. Yeah, that's a solid. That's a solid bunch of fantasy points out of a guy that you just don't expect it from. But this year, even with uh, being there the whole year, I don't see him finishing in the. It, even in the mid twenty, I think it's more towards the right where we have them, right around thirty-three or something like that. Because Abdul will take, will start to take on more of a role. Nice, uh, ranked thirty-second, Rashad Jennings. We already talked about him. Let's move on. Um, unless you guys want to put one little exclamation, I got nothing point. for him. Yeah. At his value, I don't want to draft him. No, not at all. Let yeah. somebody else take. Him. I'd much rather take the third. Giants running back off the board than the first. I'd ra- I would rather have Andre Williams on my team than Rashad Jennings. Period. <laughs> nice. Okay. Legarrette Blunt uh, is going to be thirty-one. Hit me. You guys like dog? You like him? Uh, well, here's the here's the thing. Um, it's not that I like him. It's that Belichick loves him. And if he if he doesn't fumble, he'll be that back there. Um, I don't trust it because he's always been a fumbler. And he's always found some way to fuck things up, which is why he keeps letting go, being let go of teams. He's got the suspension now that he's working on in that first uh, first game of the year. Um, so I don't trust it throughout the whole year. But the fact of the matter is that the Patriots' running game is so much better than what people think and understand. Uh, he's going to have a ton of fantasy points while he's in there. And it's just a matter of, of him staying on the good side of Belichick and keeping the ball in his arms. And that's that's what it's dependent on. And with the flake gate, their balls are going to be filled a little bit heavier this year, no matter what. Yeah, it could be, <laughs> it could be slipping sure out all over the place. That, uh, that ball is going to be harder to kind of grab onto than ever. So, yeah. um, What do you got on Blount? The only thing is, what's our favorite Patriots stat? They've run the ball in the red zone more than any other team in the league, and they score more rushing touchdowns over like the last decade than anybody else in the NFL. Yeah, no, it's true. And but at the same time, they actually seem to have maybe not. They seem to have a a, a plethora of players in there in gray and white that could maybe. White's not even in. White lost his job. He's done. He's just now going to be relegated to third down back if what? Great, if, no, right? he's not even the third down back anymore. He's just... He's Deion just Lewis is the third down back. James White is a undraftable player. Um, he's going to be in street clothes a lot again this season. Huh. All right, let's go to the next uh, dude. This is top of tier seven. Uh, ranked 30, Arian Foster. I picked him up in the, uh, I think, the ninth round 
of my, uh, maybe it was the eighth of my draft on Wednesday. Just loving that. I mean, if again, he's going to give you headaches, but if you're talking about flex appeal for when he returns, um, just if you can bite it through there and then he comes back and he's starting. While he's starting, he's as talented and getting as many fantasy points per game as any guy out there. He's just, he's just a beast when it comes to when he's playing. I am comfortable now drafting Arian Foster in the fifth round. Wow. Uh, I think he'll be back early, and when he's back, he's got a potential to be a top 10 running back. There's no other guy this late that I think has the potential to be a top 10 running back at season's end. I am comfortable drafting Arian Foster in the fifth round or lower. And when you do, he's going to be inserted into your running back two, unless you go running back, running back, but pretty much he's probably your running back two on most cases. He's going to be better than anybody else you could draft between, you know, 12 and 30. I think that if you are satisfied with your 1-2 combination uh, by the time that you're talking, fifth to sixth, sixth round uh, for me, not, not quite fifth, but sixth round for me, if you're confident in your 1-2 combo, grab Foster immediately because uh, he will end up being in your starting lineup once he gets back. But you're going to need something in, in the meantime, of course. Um, and who knows if Foster even makes it the entire year. But I think he's a great, great pickup as your third back. And I, people are still afraid of him. And I'm still afraid of him, to be quite honest. But I'd, I'd rather have him on my team than on somebody else's. Break 29th. We move to the sixth tier here for running backs. The Crow. Isaiah Crowell. Um, we talked about him a bunch before with uh, Duke Johnson. So, uh, Breeze through if you got anything else. I think at the end of the day, they wanted him to be the man. He hasn't, he hasn't kept it. He hasn't proven that this guy is going to be an every down back. And uh, they just, as you said, they're going out and maybe looking for another veteran. They don't. They're not buying it. The show, the community sucks, and running back by community sucks. <laughs> I will not own any of it. <laughs> <laughs> well said, and I, I'm his biggest supporter and. I really think that he's, he does have a good future ahead of him, but it's just not yet. 28th ranked running back, tier 6, Todd Gurley, the rookie, the injured one. What's going to happen? What's, what's, at this point, we got the, the week start, the season starts in five days, uh, and this team plays next Sunday. What is Gurley? Is he on the pup? Is he not going to be playing? What's, what's the prognosis on this kid? Well, they kept him off the pup. Uh, he'll he'll be suiting up, or or at least he's part of the team. He may not even suit up if you ask me. The first uh, week or two, that that that's just my prediction. If you're going to bring along a guy slowly and you're going to treat him like he's the future of your franchise, do it right. <laughs> you know, don't don't suit him up and get him in there for a handful of plays and risk injury and risk uh, you know bad things happening. Um, I, I think that they've been doing it right so far, and I think they're going to continue to do it right, in which case I don't think he's the greatest fantasy pick this year. I, I just don't. He's If they're going to bring him along slowly, which they vowed to do, then where's the, uh, what's the what do you really think the upside is on a team that has the second toughest rushing schedule in the entire league against you know going up against uh, the NFC West? It's just not, uh, it's not a good combo in my eyes. We got a question the other day that was basically... After week six, Todd Gurley or Arian Foster? My my say is Foster. I agree. I would say Foster. But is Gurley even in the conversation there? Or is it still like, hey, you know, Foster's a top ten back. Gurley might be a top twenty back if he's the guy. I think you guys have talked this into me and ingrained it into me where it's like, 
Doug Manica. He's hurt now. He's never done it at this level. Is he going to be running with the same style that he had before? He's probably going to be a little bit tepid. Uh, the team's got this impossible schedule. Is Foles really going to command any sort of uh, fear, strike any fear along with those wide receivers and, uh, and tight ends on any defense? It, it, it all kind of adds up to a really tall hurdle to jump over where I think it's a long-term play more for him. Love him going into next year. I was really big on him two, three months ago. Really big. Uh, you know, it just, it seems like a lot of people are going to get burned. What, here's what you got to do is you got to put your yourself in the, in the catbird seat in the Rams front office and figure out what were they thinking. You don't go out and grab uh, a running back like Todd Gurley with the, what was it, 12th pick? 11th pick? 10th pick? Yeah, 10th. You don't go and do that and throw him to the wolves injured uh, in his first season. You just don't do that. You They did it because they want him for the future. They did it. They have so many other needs on that team. That's not what they needed in that position. They did it so they can have him for the future and build around it. I just don't see them risking their future and risking their legitimacy and taking him at 10 uh, by throwing him to the Wolves this season. It's also one of the youngest and most inexperienced offensive lines around. Period. Like, they might start two to three rookies, and, you know, every player is not even off their rookie contract, I believe. Yeah. Wow. Well, we'll see. Yeah, I think he might be fool's gold, and he's going high. So, even, you know, if you're going to be going after him in the fourth, fifth round, it's uh, it's that's scary. That's a scary proposition. If he's my third back, though, that's about where I'd be willing to take the risk. Yeah. Sixth, sixth or seventh round. That's as early as I would do it personally. I would like to have a lot of confidence in my lineup to be able to do that. Yeah, I kind of. I always do. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm going half cocked. <laughs> Alright, unless you've had a few, few too many Valverdes and some, and some tequila and the girl's not really vibing. <laughs> um, Andre Ellington is rocking in at 27 in the Tier 6. Ellington, uh, obviously they went out and got Chris Johnson. Uh, Dave Johnson's there. David Johnson. It looks like they're going to be throwing the ball all over the field as long as Carson can be standing on two legs. What's uh what's what's the think after two years of us loving the Duke? Where where's your mind at on him right now? Duke looks explosive this preseason. He looks fully healthy, and if they're gonna throw it away, throw it all over the field. That's good things for the Duke. I think he's gonna be back to being that PPR sort of monster. Uh, I don't think Chris Johnson's anything. I think Chris Johnson might get cut today. You know, just a bulky hammy, and but they already cut Robert Hughes. That's, that's so I guess I guess he'll make the team, but I don't think he'll be a threat. I don't. They set up the contracts to get thirteen hundred yards. It's just because they didn't want to pay him. It's not because they actually expect him to get there. Yeah, um, no, that's true. And I think this offensive line should be improved once Iopati comes back from injury mm-hmm. and, the, and uh, Massey potentially comes back from that suspension. So they, I think they'll be pretty good, and I think. You know, just being fully healthy, he had a sports hernia last season in addition to his foot injury. I think this guy could be pretty good, and I think I would take him a little bit higher uh, than even I have him ranked right now. Still yeah. young. Still young guy. If I, if I could redo my tiers, I might move him up a spot or two. Um, I have him at 28. We have him collectively ranked at 27. I'd probably but, have him right at 25-ish. Yeah, the, but the, the fact of the matter is that if, if the Cardinals have not learned their lesson with this kid then they have more problems than you know just the running back situation. He can't handle a full load. He is a uh, t- 
he works his best with 10 to 15 touches. And they aren't runs, most of them. Get him that ball in some space and let him work his magic because he does look explosive. But how he's also predicted by Vegas to be the most likely running back to get injured this season. <laughs> so, I mean, that says something right there. I mean, you can't overuse him. And in which case, you know, the fact that they did draft uh, David Johnson high and they went out and got Chris Johnson uh, to throw in his compliment shows that I don't think they are going to use him in the 20 to 25 touches a game range, in which case that moves him down the rankings. All right, 26th is Giovanni Bernard. He'll get play. And that's the key here. Um, it's a running offense. It's, it's J- Hugh Jackson there. Uh, Jeremy Hill is sure he's uh, he's going to get the bulk of things, and he showed that he can handle, and he showed that he's darn good at it. But Bernard is an extreme talent as well, and you can't forget about what he can do, uh, even in a complimentary role, and especially in a complimentary role. Um, he's he's right there. He's right there perfectly where we have him ranked. Um, yeah, because it's our third down technical backs uh, uh, tier. C.J. Spiller, Gio Bernard, Andre Ellington. Yeah, <laughs> that, yeah, that, that's that's. They're all the same player. You see what's going on here? <laughs> uh, I, I, I like him where he's ranked. Don't overdraft him. Don't don't let him slip past you either. I mean, there's nothing that says that Hill is going to make the whole season. I mean, Bernard would be a, a great guy to have if he ended up taking on that starting role and get the full compliment, but. Uh, right there at uh, right around the 25 range uh, is perfect for him. CJ Spiller, 25th. We've creeped into the top 25. Let's, uh, you know, keep talking these guys. We had him much higher earlier. That little knee, arthroscopic surgery, you know, cleanup. Uh, ESPN New Orleans reporting he could miss the first two weeks of the season, but nobody else corroborating that. So that's the one thing that's a major concern is he could be out two weeks or he could be playing week one. We're not quite sure. And how much are they going to involve him after this injury? How much is he in the playbook? How much does he know? We know that his talent as a runner is greater than a Darren Sproles uh, ever was. And we know he's not necessarily proven to be as good as a receiver, but should be. As good as a receiver as a Darren Sproles, so yeah, there's a, a lot. He's of, a rocket when he's healthy and he gets that thing. He's got that, the home that, run potential. Yeah, that ball hits his hands. Ball. You know something special could happen. There was a lot of talk about Mark Ingram getting more involved in the passing offense and how he's gotten a bunch of receptions in the preseason here, fellas. The reason why is because C.J. Spiller isn't out there. If if C.J. Spiller was out there, they wouldn't be throwing the ball to Ingram. Don't pretend like Ingram is all of a sudden going to take on a three-down back role. It's C.J. Spiller's role. When he's back out there, he's going to be the man for him. It's scaring me a little bit with the surgery, but I hear that it was, wasn't was for much of a reason. They just wanted to clean something up. There wasn't like a big problem there. Uh, get him if you can. Cool. Uh, Joseph Randall is sitting at the top of Tier 6, 24th ranked running back. Is he, we, we, is talked about be... him. we talked about him a little bit. I'm the highest on him. I just think Darren McFadden's going to get injured. I don't know if there's anybody else who's going to sort of get in there uh, to take his spot. So I think while I don't think he's going to be a 20-carry-a-week guy, a 25-carry-a-week guy, I think he's going to be in the 12 to 15-carry-a-week range. I think he'll be a low-end RB2 with some flex appeal. If, if they're all healthy, if, it's, if Dunbar, McFadden, and Randall are all healthy, they're all going to split work. Yep. Plain and simple. So it, until McFadden gets injured, I don't see Randall putting up incredible numbers. Um, 
And I, you're right, I agree that McFadden will probably get injured, but they're also going to be looking for some other talent to complement it out there. They're going to be searching the waiver wires right now, possibly even looking for a last-second trade here to try and get Christine Michael or uh, you know somebody else. Uh, who, who else might get cut? That's uh, uh, There's a couple other guys out there um, that they might bring in for a, a tryout, some sort of veteran guy. I don't, I don't trust Randall's situation at this point. Um, he hasn't looked incredible. He's had... And he always finds a, re- a way to fuck things up. Plain and simple. He just, he, 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 you know, it's whether it's underwear or, or whatever. <laughs> He's gonna have like a huge game week two. I'm like, I'm going out and celebrating. Ooh, there's a bottle of Jim Beam pretty close within reach here. They won't <laughs> notice if I grab it. <laughs> All right, let's get let's hop into tier five. Chris Ivory at twenty third. I love him. He, I, I love yeah, him this he's, year. He's, he's, he's probably, wouldn't you say, at the running back position, the hottest guy right now. Yeah, Maybe he's Amir Abdullah, but big, him and Amir. ADP riser. Yeah. Like, because he was going in the ninth round uh, pretty much you know, a month ago. Now he's like up in the fifth, sixth. There are so many teams right now that there's a, a couple of them that you were thinking, okay, we'll have one running back taking the show. But no, they've moved to RBBC as well. There's too many committees in the league, uh, the, the, you know, going into the league this year and in the last couple of years as well, to ignore somebody like an Ivory who isn't going to be a part of an RBBC. He is going to get the carries. He's going to even get a little more work in the passing game. They've shown that he's shown that he can catch the ball and do some work out, out of the zone there. Uh, Blow Paul, what? No, uh, that guy is not going to be taken away too much from Ivory. It's going to be the Ivory Show there, and it's a running team, plain and simple. It's not going to be passing all over the place, although Marshall and Decker will open it up for him a little bit more, which is nice for Ivory. Last year, he finished in the top 20, and people just, you can't ignore stuff like this forever. He's not a sexy pick. He's not a name everybody talks about, not a name that everybody knows, but he was a top 20 RB last year. He's not an injury guy. He doesn't get injured all that often, and he's on a running team and in a great situation, not in a committee. Does Zach Stacy really uh, freak out? Uh, does uh, a guy, uh, Stevon Ridley, who's going to begin the year on the PUP and hasn't shown anything the last couple years, scare you all that much? New coach, new system, better team. If he's top 20 on that team last year, still holding the role, and it's a better squad with more talent around him, and with a steadying force, I think, with Fitzpatrick, why, isn't he, why wouldn't he be a 50, top 15 guy? There you go. What do you got? And the offensive line is full of maulers. Nick Mangold is like the best run blocking center in the league, yep. uh, and that always helps a fantasy player's chances. We think this offense will be a little bit better, so they'll be in the red zone more. He's the goal line back. Uh, that work in the passing game should really help him. He's looked good uh, catching the ball, and there's the fact that you know I'm not worried about anybody else. Maybe Bilal Powell gets some third down specialty roles, but everybody else is just a giant question mark. Beast East. Yeah, one one of the things I like about them also is the defense is so much improved. I mean, they are going to be uh, they are going to be a good defensive team. So if they can get ahead of, ahead of opponents, they're going to be running the clock, and this is that just means Ivory's getting more and Huge more time to tote, tote the ball. Yeah. Carlos Hyde sitting at twenties two. Um, we talked about him a bit more. Big dude. He's going to get the opportunity. You know, let's just breeze through him. 49ers to scare me in general. Um, I, I'll tell you, right, I don't think he'll be on my team. He's, he's creeping up my charts a little bit because I think the Niners are loving using him. 
Uh, but he scares me in every way possible. Yeah, I've never really liked his value where I've had to draft him. If he was around later, I might like it a little bit more. The thing is, they have like the worst right guard in football. I talked about that already, right? Yeah. So, you know, going from Iupati to this guy is going to be a major downgrade. You know, no Anthony Davis. You know, this offensive line, they better run left every play. Because if they try running right, it's going to be bad times. Um, the hope is he gets that third down work and he's a full three down back. Because you know Reggie Bush doesn't take goal line carries away from Carlos Hyde. Another thing is that they got uh, what's Mike Davis uh, there too as well, who's a, a pretty good rookie back. I don't think he'll get a ton of play. But Kendall Hunter supposedly has been looking phenomenal coming off of his injury as well. So and not always does <laughs> he, he does. I and mean, the guy is just a steady force that can can play and run the ball. So I don't know. There's just too many things that can go wrong with Hyde for me to back him up here. Another one of those guys, ADP value skyrocketing. <laughs> the muscle hamster, Doug Martin. Uh, in my draft, I was shocked at how early he went. I think he went in the fourth round or something like that. Maybe the fifth. Uh, Obviously, he, he's going to get a lot of opportunity. We've seen him do it before. Let's talk about him briefly, but that's another guy along with Ivory and probably Abdullah that are just, wow, if you were drafted a month ago, probably Doug Martin was barely, he was a late-round flyer. Now he's sitting there pretty early. Uh, I think I've probably jumped on a shock every podcast for the last uh, month and a half, uh, two months maybe. He's He definitely has the skills to be able to do it. Um, and in this type of offense and the fact that uh, Lovey sticks with guys that he that he says he's going to back. Get off his jock, dog. Let's talk about Amir Abdullah. Fine. I mean, we've talked Martin up, and in this system, with a skill set that he has, the fact that Charles Sims hasn't shown a lot as a lead runner or a one first and second down type back. As a player. Uh, huh? I said Charles Sims hasn't shown much as a player. Player, plain and simple. Even in the third down role that he's supposed to be a third down maven at. Yeah, Martin looks... Awesome in the preseason. He looks like he's got that burst and the strength back, and he finds holes really quick and, and well. Uh, he, he deserves to be where he's at uh, at 21st with us. I have him ranked even higher than that. So Plays in a bad division. Yeah. Nobody nobody plays defense. And he got a rookie division. quarterback. They got and a rookie quarterback. The question is the offensive line. The offensive line, yes, is a bit of a question, but they also have a couple of receivers that you have to pay attention to out there, which brings the, which pushes the secondary back and the safeties back a little bit. So uh, everything's lining up for Martin. My favorite thing about him, he's, he was on the top of the world a few years ago, saw what it's like to be a star or be an up-and-comer in the NFL, Fall fell down from the mountain, it's a contract year, he's probably been working his butt off doing crunchers every friggin' day, and you know that he works hard, so uh, the effort is there and the opportunity might meet there, so uh, things look good in that regard. Yep. I always like a guy that wants to get that money more than a guy that's already been paid. Great. All right, let's go to uh, Amir Abdul at the top of the fifth at uh, 20th running back. I mean, we've already sort of talked about in previous podcasts the expectations for Abdullah. The expectations on the high end are the Reggie Bush role from two seasons ago, where he just comes in and you know is like a 1,000-yard rusher on 200 carries and then gets like 80 targets catching 60 passes. So he's getting 260 touches, but we know he's being pilfered near the goal line, so he's going to have to score long runs. Uh, the thing I like most about Abdullah is as a receiver. He is flat-out dynamic. 
Uh, in the NCAA last year, he averaged 12 yards a catch, which was the highest by any running back in all of football. Yeah. Uh, what's not to like? Uh, the offense, the situation, uh, even Fumbles. the... Fumbles. B- b- bubbles. Uh, the, 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 the division that he's Bubbles. in. Bubbles. Everything's looking good. The fact that uh, Joyke is coming off of a couple surgeries. Everything looks good for Abdul. You... you I would not be opposed wherever you draft him. It wouldn't shock me, and I would not be opposed to it. If you ended up grabbing him as a top 15 running back, you're pushing a little bit, but it wouldn't shock me if he ended up at right around 15. I'd say fourth round is where you got to get him. I don't know if I can pull the trigger in the fourth round. It, it, yeah. I, I might get a little gun either. shy. Yeah. <laughs> Agreed. Makes sense. Next. Let's go on. Okay, we're hopping into tier number four. This is the 19th running back in our rankings, Melvin Gordon. We talked about him a little bit. Let's breeze through it. Anything additional you got to say on him? We all seem like we're a little bit nervous. Um, I, I think he's the kind of guy that uh, he's a good running back, but that jump from college and all that volume that he got there to now in the pros, it's going to really show the, uh, the, 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 the talent level and how... Uh, the, the game It's a different game when you get up to the NFL. Usually, right when I see Melvin Gordon as the top available player, I switch over to the tab and go to wide receiver <laughs> and draft the top available player there. <laughs> that's, <laughs> I mean, that's That's just how my mindset is. It's just I'm real scared of him, and I will let somebody else take him. Uh, I think he his high upside, as we talked about before, is could he do what Ryan Matthews did you know, two seasons ago? In pairing with Danny Woodhead, being just the first and second down back, and getting like 250 carries for you know 1,100, 1,200 yards and seven touchdowns, that that's the high side. Like, and then maybe, but the low side is he keeps running like he's running for right now, three yards a carry and just looking bad. And we know this offensive line isn't great in run blocking. That's true. They're good pass blockers. They keep Philip Rivers upright. But as we've said before, this is going to be a dink and dunk type offense with an early game run game to sort of hopefully boost it up. He's just not somebody I want to own. Do you remember the combine when it came to Gordon? Everyone was going, he was going out of his way at his pro day and at the combine to show he can catch. And it, that was his, his shortcoming. Okay, he's a great runner, but he's going to be able to catch in the, in the NFL. And everything was about that. So if you're in this Duncan uh, offense and you're a guy that can't necessarily uh, be a great catcher anyways, could be trouble. My fear with him also is he looks like a bodybuilder. He's too strong. He's too muscular. He's like, he's like this stacked dude and he just looks too stiff to me. Uh, when you, there's certain point you got to have that fluidity and that nimbleness to be a great running back with all these bodies flying at you and I just feel like he's kind of stiff and just too muscular and I don't know maybe maybe he'll be able to make the uh the jump to the big time but uh he scares me again he's going so high he's a rookie it's just I I don't know I think unless I'm I'm in rookie leagues which I, I I love but I, I'm staying away more and more because of the advice that you guys have given over the years on these podcasts. Just the rookie, it always feels so good that's all this, but when does it really pan out? Think about the rookie running backs last year. It's the wide receivers that were scoring points as a rookie last year. The run, the running backs weren't doing all that much. Yeah, it's it's really starting to scare me that um, the, the RBBC again. I mean, I know that Woodhead's going to get that third down roll. But I do. I, I believe that Brandon Oliver is going to take some some carries away from him because they know that he's steady. 
uh, that he'll, he'll move the pile, you know, the pile forward a little bit here and there. Uh, I'm not going to say that Donald Brown's going to get all that much, but the thing is that Melvin, uh, he passed the eye test for me back in college. But it was also behind a, a Wisconsin line. It's a very different story. You're right. This run blocking line is not the greatest here in San Diego. And he hasn't passed the eye test for me in the pros. You, you, sometimes you pass in college and not in the pros. Sometimes you don't pass in college and all of a sudden you could do it in the pros. That's uh, two very different type of games. On the Chargers, the reason why I had him high to start with is because I thought he was going to get a huge amount of volume. Now I'm not so sure. Uh, I think that Woodhead steals enough that uh, Woodhead makes sense where he's going. Uh, I think that Gordon will still get some good play. I just don't see it being enough volume to warrant where he's being taken right now in ADP. Over under 200 carries. That's, that's the thing. I, I do believe it's going to be over. I do believe, I still believe it's going to be over. Um, but whereas I used to think that he was going to have between 250, 270, 270 275 touches... Now, it's, I'm not so sure. He's got to start to show something in these first few games. Uh, show that something that warrants where the, where the Chargers took him and where, obviously, fantasy owners are taking him in the draft. Here's something that wouldn't surprise me if it happened at all. 200 carries for 820 yards, 6 touchdowns, 18 catches for 123 yards, and 1 touchdown. This is what he does. Who was that last year? Chris Ivory. <laughs> Chris Ivers is a top 20 back. I mean, yeah. it's So, if you're drafting him as a top 13 or 15 player, I disagree with you. Agreed. If you're top drafting him as a borderline top 20 back, I see where your point is. Yep. Very cool. Well, I love it when you do that. All right. TJ Yeldon, another rookie. Uh, I swooped him up on two, three, four, five, six, seven round in a rookie draft. Surprised by that. Wow. Um, yeah. Yeldon... Good times. Uh, what's what's going to happen? I, I tell me because I I'm hoping right now that have him uh, be a guy that's my flex until Foster comes back potentially, or I'm going to put uh, Amari Cooper at wide receiver and have this guy be my rookie. Well, they came out yesterday and said T.J. Yeldon is our starting running back, and that's what's got to be encouraging. Yes, this offensive line is horrific. <laughs> like Luke Jockel might be the biggest joke I've ever seen. For being like a top five left tackle. Because this guy has played like terrible in the NFL. Uh, I gotta tell you that I'm scared of TJ Yeldon. You know, that week three performance where he rushes six times for 10 yards in a TD did not inspire me. But the fact that he got the red zone look, you know, was good enough. I, I'm worried about the strength of this offense outside of an Allen Robinson. So let's see. What happens here? Could this offense take a small step forward? That's what you got to hope for when you're looking at TJ Yeldon. You know he's going to get volume, and now he might even get more volume than we were expecting from Melvin Gordon. Yeah. Uh, and then there's also the small third down work. He's not a horrid pass catcher, so he's going to get at least a little bit there. But I still think you know shoelaces, Denard Robinson, will be used in a change of pace back role where he's best. Uh, well, as well he should, yes. Uh, that That's fine, but Yeldon is another guy that passed my eye test in college, but then again, that was behind the Alabama line. So, I mean, of course, it uh, makes a difference. But the big thing about him is going to be volume, and he is going to get volume. Um, it's not like he has, uh, you know, the complimentary Woodhead behind him and Darren, or, uh, Brandon Oliver and Donald Brown guys who have been there, done that. Um, it's, ju it's just 
Denard Robinson, who is a converted quarterback, uh, who's, who can definitely play, don't get me wrong, but he's, and he's a good third-down option, but they don't have a lot after that. And, uh, and I think it's, what, Bernard Pierce and uh, Gerhard, I think, is still on the team, but I, I think they've seen what they've seen what they got there. Yeldon's going to get the play. He's going to get the volume there. And another important part here is, yes, it's a bummer that Julius Thomas is injured. Yes, it's a bummer that Marquise Lee cannot stay on the field. But Blake Bortles has gotten a lot better. That rookie season was tough to watch, um, but it was a big jump for him. He couldn't handle the college to NFL jump. He put in the work this offseason. He looks a lot better. He goes through his progressions a lot better. He doesn't have happy feet anymore. Uh, and he has run the offense pretty darn well in the preseason. So I think that that helps Yeldon uh, get acclimated and involved in this offense. We could play the same game with uh, that we just played, you know, uh, 223 for 867 touchdowns and then like 34 catches for 300 yards in a tutty. Sounds about right. Yeah, and that's Joyke Bell, the number, you know, 14, 14 running back in scoring. You yeah. know? So if you're thinking for Yeldon about running back 15, running back 18, anywhere in that range, and if he's going in the fifth round, I think it's a decent value for what he could provide. If you're getting him later than the fifth, I stole him in the eighth. Uh, I felt like I was robbing people. So You were robbing people. That's one of the biggest things about these guys is, like I mentioned before, volume. Uh, there's so many RBBCs out there. When you get, when you find a guy, especially later like that, who is going to get the volume, grab him. Uh, it's just, a, it's, it's going to be, it just, it works wonders for your team getting that volume. A guy who only gets a hundred. Uh, I, I see people like taking, I hate to say it, but Ryan Matthews t- too early sometimes, just because of the name and because he's on the Eagles. But if he, if Murray stays healthy. And Matthews only gets 100 carries and, and you know, it only gets like 120 uh, touches. What's that going to do for you? Nothing. Nothing. Out of the uh, Alabama running backs that are in the league right now, well, I guess out of the three, I mean, there's only two now. Who's I was going to include <laughs> Richardson, but um, is Yeldon going to give Lacey a run for his money as, as, as the best uh, running back to come out of Alabama after the season's over or not a not, not a chance. Is the talent going to pop off the page that, wow, they got something special, regardless of whether he puts up an, a monstrous numbers, but because people know that that's a young team with a, not a very good offense line. What are your thoughts there? And then who's we'll give a Stag Party a, an opportunity to give his man crush on the, the current. Uh, isn't, isn't, don't you love the current running back on Alabama? No. Who's that? What team is that guy you love? Ooh, Georgia. Nick, Nick Chubb? Oh, it's yeah. Georgia. Chubb. Yeah, you got a Chubb for Chubb. That's right. It's it's Gurley's backup. All right. Who do you, what do you think? Is uh, Yeldon going to be a, a, a kind of guy a year from now that's really high on people's thoughts? Uh, looking into the crystal ball, first of all, uh, it's different offenses at different phases of their, of their careers uh, at this point. Lacey has done it for a couple years now in one of the best offenses in the entire league. But eventually, Rodgers is going to be gone. Um, Jordy Nelson and, and, and Cobb and all of them will either be gone or injured or, or whatnot. The whole thing's going to change there. In equal situations, um, I, I think five, six, seven years from now, I think people will say, wow, Yel- Yeldon uh, may be better than Lacey. I think one of the reasons why is because I don't think Lacey keeps this up. He's, he's got that asthma thing going on. He's been injury prone in the past. Uh, he he runs into contact and he takes too many big hits, even though he dishes them too. That eventually takes its toll. 
Um, I think Lacey's career ends up being cut somewhat short because of all this. But of course, being in the situation he's in right now, he's going to look better than Yeldon. I think in the future, you look four, five, six years down the line, um, Jacksonville's going to be a lot better. Maybe Yeldon's not there. Who knows? But uh, Yeldon's going to look pretty darn good. All right, cool. Let's go to the 17th running back on our list here in the in tier number four, and that's going to be Justin Forsett. We've kind of already talked about him. Do we need to talk about him anymore? I feel like we talk about this guy too much. I feel like if I got started, I can't stop. Yeah, let's, let's, <laughs> let's just go. If you've been listening to our podcast, you know how we feel about him. Uh, if you've been listening you, to the Pyro Podcast Life, you know that Mo loves him. He thinks he's going to be He's got him as a top it's, five running back. It's crazy. Uh, but he's also got two wide receivers from Tampa Bay in the top 20. Some things aren't, aren't connecting. A couple too many. Well, there it is. I want to say one thing about Forsett because I usually shut my mouth and let you guys just bash the shit out of him. Um, <laughs> it's the situation. It's, it's the offense that he's in. That makes such a huge difference, the type of scheme you're running in. Uh, he's not trustworthy. I, I, I can't say that I would trust him, and I, I will knock him for a, a bunch of different reasons. But I can't, I definitely won't put him in my top 10, but I'm not going to put him down in the 20s range either. He's in a situation where he could definitely score you a lot of fantasy points, and they don't have a whole hell of a lot behind him at this point either. Do you like him in the second round? No. Do you like him in the third round? Yeah. Okay. That's all. There you go. All right, let's move on. Jonathan Stewart. I think that thing, that looks troublesome over there. He's with the no weapons. Well, no weapons they, makes it they, good for Jonathan Stewart. Aren't they going to just really stack that box and to make it make it really hard for anything to happen to, in any sort of two uh, dynamic uh, through the air and through the ground? They're going to take away one of them, and with the wide receivers and, and talent they've got at receiver, I think it's that one's already sort of already taken away on its own merit. There's two different ways of looking at this. Um, the way that I believe Stag Party is he's going to get more volume. That he's, he's going to be yep. uh, dependent on a lot more. Um, which obviously increases his value because the more you touch the ball, you know, the more fancy points you can score. My problem here is, uh, is this. Without any talent at wide receiver and nothing scaring you out there, they're going to bunch the box more. They're going to be playing against that run. And therefore, first of all, he won't find as many holes. Second of all, he's going to take punishment. He's going to take a lot of punishment, and he has shown that he cannot live with punishment. He cannot withstand all that type of punishment and make it through a season. That scares the shit out of me with him. Um, Do do I like him? I've I've actually always loved his game. I love the way that he runs that ball, and I love the way that he can be used in that offense. But too many injuries and and not enough talent around him really kind of bums me out. I I would stay away from where he is. D-Rex and I have him ranked the lowest out of the four of us. Uh, but if you want to talk him up, go ahead, Stags. I mean, just when this offense really started getting off the ground last season, it was all on Jonathan Stewart's back. They've got a running quarterback who we said helps the run game. Uh, I'm worried about the offensive line. It's it's another bad one. Uh, the fact is, I just think he's going to get enough volume, and I don't think Cam Newton's scoring 15 rushing touchdowns again to where he's at least going to get some. At this point, if I'm looking for a guy who's going to give me 80 yards a game, uh, solid. Maybe it's on 20 carries, but he, I think he can get me 80 yards a game. He's going to get me a couple catches, and he's going to be a solid weekly running back too. Uh, you know, he was very good against the eight-man box last season in terms of peripheral numbers. Uh, also, just he was able to do in the playoffs against the Seahawks stout run defense. That was awesome, and I think without 
Guys on the outside, it's going to be Greg Olson, Jonathan Stewart, and Cam Newton. I think that's their entire offense. And at this point, I yeah, he could get injured, but he hasn't been injured just yet. So, All right, let's go to Alfred Morris at 15. Alfred Morris is like one guy we absolutely all agree on. 15, 15, 15, 16. And it's just we know what you're going to get. We talked up Matt Jones a little bit earlier, so we do think his you know value is capped a bit this season. He's gonna be like you know 1,100 yards, eight to ten touchdowns, but we now know he's gonna take more volume to get there. As you know, the running quarterback, he averages like a half yard less per carry uh, without RG3 in the lineup. So he's gonna be like a 20 carry for 80 yards and maybe a touchdown every other week type of dude. And he's not going to give you much in the catch game. He's going to give you like one a week. Uh, enough said. <laughs> Next. I'm go pat myself on the back there. <laughs> well done. Latavius Murray, big horse of a man at 14. Uh, and that's in tier number four. You know, I think I'm higher on him right now than I ever have been. But I think a lot of people are. Uh, and I'm not as scared as the, uh, of the Oakland offense and... and and that youth is, is a lot of other people are. What are your thoughts? What is the what is the supreme upside? What's the best that this guy can do? And obviously, we know the injury is what could bring the worst uh, for him. That that's what it is. Uh, he can be a top ten back the, if you ask me. The thing is, when we talk about Latavius Murray in terms of talent, we cannot tell you what he can do, like because the sky is the limit in terms Absolutely. of talent, like. The thing is, upside here, it's it's enormous. It's, you know, could he have a 1,500-yard season? Of course. Like, he could do that. Uh, could he have a crap ton of touchdowns? Probably not. This offense isn't going to be good. But he could have, he could be a guy who averages a crap ton of yards a game, isn't very good getting in the end zone, and gives way to Roy Hallou on third down. But I think he's going to be... Used more on third down than people expect. In terms of pure talent assessment, um, he could he could very well be a top five running back in the entire league in terms of in terms of talent um, and peripherals and all that sort of stuff. Fact that matters though is that he hasn't made it a total year yet. Uh, I don't even know if he's made it more than five games in a year really, <laughs> um, and he's never been able to carry the load. So it's a live and learn with this. If you're willing to take the chance, that's, I, I think he's definitely worth the chance uh, taken. Um, but I wouldn't feel confident, as confident as other people would, just because I, I know he hasn't done it yet and he hasn't been able to stay healthy. Uh, taking, the, taking all that punishment as a number one running back with 250 to 300 touches during a year is uh, very different than just looking at a guy and saying, wow, you are Adonis. He feels like, to me, he's going to be a, a good open season, start of the season guy, and then it's a, the, the, the little nicks and, and, and bits are going to start catching up to him. So for me, I think he's a first uh, six-game kind of guy. He's going to have a great opening, and then it's going to be kind of fighting for his life and trying to stay in the lineup, toughing it out. And obviously, as we know with other players that do this, uh, it kind of hurts the fantasy owner that's got him in the starting lineup. But he, we know he, he, we've seen in the in the small sample of what he's been able. This is a guy that if he has a big day, win can win you a week. Period. And he Agreed. just has that kind of uh, ability and skill set. So we'll see. Uh, you guys got anything else on him? Good offense to run into right now. I think it's an up and coming offense. So uh, good division to be in too. Actually, if you ask me to uh, to get him rolling. Good points. 
All right, let's move on to Frank Gore. Frank Gore is going to be the 13th guy. Uh, you know, solid nine, our boy. Uh, Mr. Why Am I So Good Looking had, had texted me this morning to ask me a question. He basically said, hey, what should I... He's, he, he thinks that uh, LaShawn McCoy is going to slip. He thinks he's falling. People are worried, concerned about him. The buzz in his, before his draft is that he's going to fall. He's like, should I go after him in the third round or should I go after Frank Gore? After thinking about it, you know, I just think, I told him, go with Gore. I think, you know, while it, with McCoy, it just seems like a lot of headaches. I've had him on my team last year when he was healthy and he sucks. So, so, there's something about McCoy that just is a little bit frustrating for fantasy owners. Uh, even when he's having good seasons, they don't, they kind of are, are projected out over a whole season. And, he, and he's, for a guy that's kind of explosive on the field, he doesn't really have tremendously explosive games. Um, so I kind of was thinking Frank Gore in that juggernaut of an offense, a guy that seems to have a chip on his shoulder uh, and isn't so happy to be in that situation, gushing about luck. And let's be honest, that guy's been a model of health, takes care of himself, and he's gotten pretty lucky with uh, the injury bug. Frank Gore, I think, is, uh, is the kind of guy that's just going to be very consistent and going to be a great running back, too, on your team. Uh, well, uh you couldn't ask for a better situation for him, first of all. Uh, if if he gets that first and second down roll and even takes some takes some third down roll stuff, he I don't see any reason whatsoever why he couldn't end up a top six or seven back in fantasy this year. I mean, you you put together what the uh, granted they didn't have a very good first and second down back last year. The Colts didn't, but when Bradshaw was taking the reins um, as a third down back and taking some of the first and second down play there, he he was a top five player every week. Yeah, I mean, he was putting up touchdowns left and right, grabbing you know, pass after pass, catch after catch. Uh, you know, it's it, Gore may be a little bit different type of a player, but it may work in his favor. He's a better first and second down runner than Bradshaw was. He can catch the ball; it hasn't been used in the passing offense in a while. But I think that was more the situation in Forty uh, Nine Land over there. Gore has ever every opportunity to prove. Um, Indianapolis right in going and getting him and Gore is you're right extremely happy to be in this offense and have another real shot at getting a, a, a Super Bowl ring on his finger he's he's a great pick where he's going you if you could get him as your RB2 uh, you are a very very happy man I drafted proxy for somebody last week and I went wide receiver wide receiver at the end of the third round I knew I was going running back and I just prayed Prayed, prayed, and it was Frank Gore who came back to me. Nice. <laughs> if that's the strategy you want to employ, I like no problem with it. I doubt you'll get him at the end of the third round every day, but I'd still take LaShawn over Frank Gore, just sheer volume. I don't know that this guy doesn't get 20 carries every game when he's in there, in the lineup. Yeah. Frank Gore might be like a 15, 15 16 carry guy, and then they pull him out, and they you know, lit Josh Robinson, and boom... You know, go after it late. This is going to be a very good offense who will probably be involved in a lot of shootouts. Uh, hopefully Frank Gore catches the ball more. We know he can from his earlier season in San Francisco. Uh, you know, they kind of took that away from him over the last couple of years, unfortunately, and it, you know, suppressed his fantasy value over the last couple of years because he's rushed for like 1,100 yards for the last five seasons straight or something. Incredible. Uh, He's a solid, consistent performer who should now get some more red zone work. And that just makes me happy. As long as he catches the ball a little bit more, he's going to be well worth his uh, value proposition as of 
the third round when you get to draft him. Cool. Uh, Mark Ingram, number 12. Already, uh, he's the second from top guy in this tier four. We talked about him a bit. We, you know, obviously it was nice not having Houdini here to, to stroke him off. I gotta tell you, I love Mark Ingram. <laughs> I love Max Unger, and I love this offense. And they're not gonna let Drew Brees throw the ball. <laughs> they're running the ball. Don't you know that they're changing this whole team? Uh, Houdini, we love you, buddy. We miss you. We do, we do. You know he'll be the first one to listen to oh, it. for sure. This guy listens to the podcast religiously. Which is a great thing. I know we all do, but Houdini always texts me like, "Did you did you mean to edit that? I think you missed an edit." <laughs> F off. I was editing <laughs> the thing at two in the morning. <laughs> Ingram scares me a bit. Um, he he he's not a you know a vision of, of health. Uh, he, he hasn't been able to make it through a full season really, um, and be consistent with it. Uh, sure, the offense tailors for tailors towards fancy points for every position. Um, and C.J. Spiller having some problems with the, his health a little bit right now helps him. And I know that there's been a lot of talk about the Saints moving towards more of a running game. It just has, it hasn't even shown yet in the preseason. that They're still passing the crap out of the ball and doing it well. And Breeze is still Breeze. Um, Ingram's, again, he's the type of guy that I know it, it should be ranked right here, but he's probably not going to be on my team. That's fine. I, I, I do not hold that against you. The thing is, he'll probably score touchdowns still. He scored nine last season on the ground. Uh, I think he'll have an opportunity for double-digit touchdowns. And as you know, a high-end RB2, low-end 1, you can't ask for much more. I think he might be like a 1,000-yard runner and a, you know, 10 touchdowns. That's what you're going to get. I think that's an easy expectation for Mark Ingram this season. My last thing on him, his ADP where he's going in these drafts, it feels right. It really does. It doesn't feel like he's being overdrafted. He's not lasting too long. Um, it seems where he's going seems about right. You're comfortable doing it, and that's always a good feeling. And, he, and he's done it before, and he's yeah. on a high-powered offense. So, uh, all right, the last Whoa, guy. whoa, whoa. Who got who? Patriots cut Jonas Gray. Whoa. Oh, kidding me. That's insane. Oh, come fuck on. Didn't we grab him in a couple of those expert leagues? I think we grabbed him in the just the one, I the hope. Fish or the... Uh, just, just, that's the one I hope. Yeah, we'll no. see. I grabbed him in one of our other mock drafts. Um, bum me up. The thing is... <laughs> okay, the dog so, wants his old mocks to still look good. Good, so good the man. Thing, He's got that ego. So now we're reaching number running back 11. We're getting to Lamar Miller. I would almost move Lamar Miller up into the next tier today. If I had a chance to redo my tiers again, I'm pretty sure Lamar Miller would be a top 10 bag for me. I'd push you know, Matt Forte out of the top 10 and put Lamar Miller there. I'm so excited about how that offense has looked. I'm so excited about how Lamar Miller has looked. Uh, if Brandon Albert gets back and solidifies this offensive line, they'll be better up front this season. And this is a guy who, with the least amount of carries in the top 12, Average the uh, the second most yards per carry. Uh, you know, got nine touchdowns last season, and I think he's got potential for maybe more. Can catch the ball. I don't see a real threat to his game behind him and Damian Williams. Jay Ajayi doesn't even isn't even worth talking about rarely anymore. The things he could do in the open field are awesome. He's a big back. I just like everything about Lamar Miller. I got Miller as ranked 11th in my latest version of my tiers. 
and that's in tier three. So I, I, I agree with you. I'm, I've got him in that tier. But I also agree with you that I've got him one lower than Forte, and that's not right because I, I almost I know that I'm not going after Forte, so I should have him higher than Forte. Forte is just not going to be on any of my teams this year. Me neither. I'd almost rather have uh, Miller as well. Oh, yeah. Welcome to the club, dog. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think, I'm I think, so sore about Jonas Gray. I'm done. <laughs> no, don't test me right now. I, <laughs> I, uh, so, the, so the next guy is Matt Forte. Yeah, let's talk about Mr. Forte. I hate watching the Bears. <laughs> it's terrible. It sucks, right? It's terrible. Um, and even watching Forte, it's just boredom city. Uh, I just I, I I can barely watch him. It's he's not gaining a lot of yards on the carries. He doesn't have explosion. Um, He'll get, he'll get volume, and which is a great thing, which is why he's ranked where he is and why he'll he'll be of value in, in fantasy. It's just, there's no excitement to it. Just none. It's not the, the same uh, Tressman offense where he's not going to catch 100 balls. He'll maybe catch 50 in, in this offense. And that's, right, I mean, that's right around where he was before Tressman came. It's just not, it's not sexy. It's not great, but he'll be right there at 10. I, I wrote a check for my Bears tickets to, uh, to Stavish earlier in the week. Uh, we got. I think I'm going to four games this year. And writing that check yeah. was just like, God damn. Last year I was all fired up. I think I went to five games. You know, there was that momentum. They had just there was some excitement. That he said, Yeah. There is just like I'm like, oh, we're going to the game next week. Uh, yeah. Two weeks from now. Why? Why am I spending three two hundred bucks a ticket for this garbage? Uh, yeah, the Bears <laughs> all around just seem uh, seem like it's a. There's no momentum there. There's nothing really happening. And that's that's one of the reasons why I wasn't excited about John Fox and bringing him in. That's kind of the program he runs. I mean, he's, he's dealt the hand he has with the talent he has. And the one exciting component in Kevin, uh, Kevin uh, White is injured and possibly gone for the season. Obviously, that, that, that hurts. But in general, it just seems like uh, there's no entertainment value there. No. So. Uh, what do you got to say on Fort? Should we move on move from Forts? Okay, Forts is gone. All right, at nine and tier three, uh, Demarco Murray. I'm like I'm liking what I'm seeing. I'm gonna I'm on the team I drafted the other day. It was like a stag party team through and through. Uh, you I know you're not, I know you're not as much probably as high on Murray as you were a year ago, but you're still a big fan. I just think. He's got to stay healthy, but that goes with any running back. And there's so many guys that are borderline injury here. There, what's not to love with that situation? The thing I really like about it is that him and uh, Bradford, they were roommates in college together. They played. They they won a championship together. I, I'm pretty sure. Um, I just like that he's got that steady force. He's got a familiar face around him. They're both in this new place, and you got Chip Kelly just dazzling and giving you just as much touch as you can get. I'm liking him more and more as we go on. Um, I, I would take him over Forte at this point. Um, I'd be real close to taking him over McCoy as well. Uh, when we get into the Jeremy Hill territory and Lynch and stuff, I, I don't think I would I, I would grab him over that. I would have him at 8. I would have him right behind Jeremy eight. Hill. Agreed. I agree. Uh, the thing is, yeah, he might be capped, but he was so efficient earlier in his career in capped carries that I don't know why people are so worried. He's a guy who can average over five yards a carry. Mm-hmm. This offensive line is just as good as run, at run blocking. Just as good, if not better. The as, scheme, as the Cowboys? Yes. Wow. The scheme is not is meant to open up holes for everybody. Can he average five yards a carry this year? 
Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And the thing is, if he's capped at 250 carries, reasonable, right? It's a pretty reasonable number. He's capped at 300 total touches. You know, that's still like 1,500 total yards. Absolutely. And this is a team that likes to run it in the red zone. So 10 touchdowns out of reach. So 1,250 yards and 12 and 10 touchdowns. You're not. Holla. It, it's pretty nice. And just watching him play, he's an exciting guy whenever he gets the ball. Agreed. Friggin' awesome. All right. LaShawn McCoy, uh, is he? he's our next guy, top of tier three at the eighth. We just rank. switched our rankings now. Yeah, we LaShawn just switched McCoy is okay. behind so, Marco Murray. Fair enough. I like that. Is he going to play week one? He, he, he said he he said he 100% is going to play. Uh, they've been talking up that, that he will. I, I, believe, I believe it. I believe he'll be out there week one. Um, with the type of volume that he's going to get in that offense, he's definitely worthy of being a, a top ten guy, and could very well even put up a lot better stats than people are even thinking. Uh, but it does worry me that uh, he's it's starting to wear on him. He doesn't have the body type to withstand all of these touches year after year after year. So, and the fact that he already got injured a little bit already scares me a little bit. But he ha- will have every opportunity to put up top five fantasy stats for sure. The number one predictor of later season injury is earlier season injury. So you got. I'm a little scared of Lashawn McCoy. Uh, he's a borderline top ten back. You got to draft him in the second round. And at, at the point Lashawn McCoy comes around and he's the top guy on the board, that's when I go straight over to receiver again. I mean, that's just how I feel about it. Yeah, I was loving him a couple uh, a month ago. I was like, you know what? I feel like this guy's going to put his uh, money where his mouth is. And right now, uh, I'm feeling a little bit more like uh, karma is get coming back and rearing its ugly head on his big mouth. It's, yeah, but that, that I just got to say that, that offense that he's going to be playing with, then um, it's just, it's tailor-made for, for fantasy stardom. And, and Taylor. Yeah, and with, yeah, and with a running quarterback now you know, at, at the helm in Buffalo there. McCoy looks really good with Michael Vick setting the edge for him. Absolutely. On those own read plays. So yeah, hopefully, that's a good point. hopefully they incorporate a lot of that. Uh, and that should give him some extra room to run, which would be exciting. Yep. Good point. All right, should we move into top, top two tiers? And, and fellas, we're going to talk about Jeremy Hill, who's the seventh uh, running back ranked for us right now. And then I'm splitting. I got an invite uh, late last night to go see the Cubs. I think they're playing Arizona. Yep. Uh, so I'm going to go to Wrigley and, and check it out. Actually, we're getting some sun here. Where They were saying it was supposed to um, be uh, raining all day. Uh, what's wrong? Can you minimize your screen so we can see the recording? Yeah. 144, yeah, that's fine. Sorry, yeah. I, I no, just no, wanted to be yeah, able to yeah, see that. No, that's good. As I leave, sometimes uh, we get compu- the computer. When the podcast goes into the three-hour zone, sometimes the uh, the memory on the computer dries yeah. up a little bit. I yeah. fixed that yesterday, though, guys. I did get all our video casts, which just eat up all that video oh, stuff. It exactly eats up the memory. I got all of it on an external hard drive nice. and, and opened up some space. So let's talk about Jeremy Hill. Um, Top two tiers. I think... It, I think everybody knows who all these guys are, and I don't think we need to explain all that much. They're kind of self-explanatory. We got Jeremy Hill at seven here uh, at the bottom of the second tier. His volume is going to be massive in this run-based offense. He passes every eye test you could possibly imagine. Um, He did it last year as a rookie without even 
getting like the first and second down carries in the starting role until like what was it week five or six or something like that, and he still put up top tens. The guy has every reason to be here at seven and could very well put up top five numbers. Uh, he deserved this spot here. Anything else? I mean, the thing I love about him is just the fact that he can bruise, he can do it between the tackles, he's actually got enough size and speed to cut the edge, he can, once he gets past that first layer of defense, he can bust it, he's got that quick step where when he gets the ball in his hands and running through that line, it looks fast for a big body like that. Uh, he's got all that kind of, uh, a lot of things that, uh, inertia that happens with other players and, and kind of trips them up. Doesn't seem to with him. He is just a, a real, you know, like how I said Melvin Gordon feels real stiff and he's got that big mass. This guy doesn't. He feels real limber and, and, and yeah. light on his toes uh, for that kind of body type. So we'll see. I think I think when we talk about uh, feast or famine or the guys that could explode or really be hurt this year in fantasy, I think this team, to me, is, is the biggest. They're either going to be what you think they are or they are going to really surprise. And I think there's an element this year that I'm starting to feel with the Bengals. Uh, and Dalton, obviously A.J., er, uh, Eifert, and Hill, and then you've got the third down back with the, Giovanni Bernard. Uh, there's something that tells me these guys might be a pretty, pretty explosive fantasy football offense this They year. could. And Marvin Jones back healthy. That they they, yeah. looked, they looked awesome against the Bears defense and then looked terrible against the Buccaneers defense. Which doesn't really make sense to me. It's kind of, it's strange, but that way. But I'm going to tell you that the next guy on the list, I'm actually now with all the latest news that's going on. I'm going to put Jeremy Hill above Marshawn Lynch, and I, and I'll tell you why. Our next guy obviously is Lynch at the sixth spot, um, with the signing of Fred Jackson over there. There's one thing that Fred Jackson has been throughout his career. That's a fucking vulture. All right, he is, <laughs> all right? that guy has taken touchdowns away for a career. And that, I, I, mean, I already thought that Jimmy Graham was going to take some touchdowns away from, from Lynch. But now that he's got an actual vulture there in Fred Jackson who they will play around that zone and play him in the th third down rolls and, and give him some red zone touches in order to save Lynch for later in the season. That's a little scary for Lynch. I was depending on Lynch getting his normal 1,350-some-odd rushing yards and you know, 12, 13 touchdowns. I'm not that totally confident on it anymore. I, I kind of like Hill's big playability and uh, explosiveness and situation maybe a little bit more at this point. I think that's a good call. All right, Pyros, I'm out. Nice work, Dogmatica uh, Stag Party. I'm going to roll. Sorry, i got to do this. Um, you guys man the helm through the rest of these RVs and then you through the it. tight ends. You guys are the best. Nobody's better. All right, have a good time. It's that game, brother. So speaking of Marshawn Lynch, I'm just worried about that offensive line play. I'm worried about the uh, Jimmy Graham vulturing. I'm not really worried about Fred Jackson vulturing. I think after that whole, you know, not running it from the one thing, Marshawn is going to get every red zone carry that ever existed on the face of the earth. <laughs> so that's just my theory. So I'm not really worried about his touchdowns, but... I do think Fred Jackson will have a role, and I think you know they brought him in. You know they already cut Robert Turbin, as we said. Uh, you know Christine Michael could be on the trading block, and you know Thomas Rawls looked good in that final preseason game. This it, Lynch is just consistent. Um, he's probably not a guy who will end up on my team very much. I just decide to swing for the fences more than I do uh, the safety of a Lynch. That's why I'd probably draft my guy right ahead of him, C.J. Anderson. Yeah. Uh, he could finish as the number one running back in fantasy football. 
that is that is not out of the realm of possibilities. I, f- I fully agree, and that's what we should talk about. That. I, I think that everybody knows who Lynch is. Everybody knows what he does. I don't think we need to dive into him more. But uh, C.J. Anderson will have every opportunity in, in the book to be the number one guy in, in fantasy this year. That offense will be. Uh, uh, it will be more run dependent this year, for sure. There's no doubt about that. But he also catches the ball out of the backfield. Uh, he delivers punishment. He's he's got the confidence and he uh, of all the players on that team, including Manning and the coach and everybody. It's just a great situation for him all all the way around. Uh, I, I know you got some stats. I mean, just looking at it, who else is going to take the red zone carries away from C.J. Anderson, the 200-pound Ronnie Hillman. No, definitely not Hillman. The Monty I mean, Ball, who's safe on the roster for now. No, that's not going to happen. Might not even dress because Jawan Thompson is a better special teamer. Yeah, that, uh, it's it's the Anderson show. Plain and simple. It's the Anderson show. The thing is, he was just you know that much better than everybody else down the stretch last season. And you know, with the signing of Evan Mathis, this offensive line got a lot better. Evan Mathis is a zone blocking maven. This is going to be a zone-blocking scheme. You know, Chip Kelly runs the zone-blocking scheme there in Philadelphia. It's gonna, it should be a seamless transition. Uh, and getting that guy to solidify the offensive line is a great, great coup for them. I'm really looking forward to C.J. Anderson this season just doing everything there is on the field. The problem is that they, they actually needed Mathis. And yes, he does make them better, but that kind of shows how bad their offensive line was. Oh, I agree. Um, this this takes them up for maybe offensive line twenty five to offensive line fifteen in my mind. That's yeah. how big of a gaping hole they had a guard. That's true. That's true. And that's how good Mathis really is. It's, it was it was a great sign, a great great get for them. Um, it only adds to what C.J. Anderson could do. Um, next on the list is a guy that I actually for quite a while had right behind C.J. Anderson. And still could uh, actually interchange these two guys. But with, with Jordy Nelson getting injured, I think Eddie Lacy definitely takes on more of a role and uh, gets a, a couple more touchdowns out of it. And, it he's, and he's looked good. He's consistent. Um, I don't know. What did Jordy Nelson have last season? 13 touchdowns? 13. I don't think DeMonte Adams gets 13 touchdowns. Agreed. And that's who we're having as a fill-in. So, yeah, I think those go to Lacey. I don't think Cobb gave more than his 12 or 13 he had last season. Agreed. I think that's sort of a cap number. I, I think they could be evenly distributed elsewhere, but I think Lacey is good enough to let him pound it in a few more times uh, than possibly before. Uh, I the offense is going to be great. You know, Aaron Rodgers is going to be Aaron Rodgers. Uh, the offensive line is very good. Uh, they're going to run more plays. There's just he's safe. The only question is, you know, some concussion history. And that's pretty much all you have to worry about. Uh, he's had other injuries in his history too. Yeah, that's he's, true. he's a guy that hasn't been able to totally stay healthy, barring the last, you know, actually last year and a half. Uh, he's he's been been healthy, which is great. But one of the one of the other things about Lacey is that one of the things that a lot of people are not realizing we've talked about it before, but his touches are capped. Um, he has that asthma problem, and they can't overwork him, or something really bad will happen to him. So they know, they understand that with Lacey. That's why they do use Starks. Um, that's why they still will be passing the ball all over the place, and they'll t- they'll take out uh, Lacey from t- time to time, take him out for a couple series break or whatever. Um, so he's capped in terms of like ultimately he's not gonna he'll never get you know Demarco Murray 
touch uh, touches from last year. He'll never have anything like that. He'll never get Adrian Peterson's, uh, you know, from a, a few years back. He'll never even get uh, Le'Veon Bell would, would probably get. Um, but he's uh, he's a steady force that will definitely be a steady force for whatever team takes him. There's just too much talk about. Uh, God, I hate, and I hate to bring up these guys again, but like ESPN and CBS and all those guys are. Some of them rank him as number one. Number one, number two, first overall pick in drafts. What the fuck are you talking about? You do understand that he has asthma and he's not going to get 30 touches a game. And just because Nelson gets injured doesn't mean that all of a sudden Lacey gets all those touches or something and, and uh, all those touchdowns. It's just not that way. So then let's just move on to the tier one running backs. Yeah. It starts with Jamal Charles, then goes Le'Veon Bell and Adrian Peterson. I don't think we need to talk about it. Any of these guys, yeah. I feel like they're the only players we talk about sometimes. So, if you got questions as to why we rank them as such, you know, send us a second opinion or a Facebook message. Uh, you know, we'll accept both of those. But I have Jamal Charles over Le'Veon Bell personally, just because I'm more risk averse. I like starting off with a running back. I know I can slot into my lineup the first two weeks. You guys all have Bell because he's a better player. But I'm fine with that. <laughs> I know it's not so much he's the better he's the better player. Um, I'm not convinced. Uh, I think that Charles his touches are capped. <laughs> his, his touches are capped. I mean that, that that's that's a fact. I mean he's not gonna he's not the type of guy that you want to give 325 350 touches to. You you'd be better off having him at 275 somewhere around that zone, which is perfectly fine because of his yards per touch is kind of insane, and he'll still get a lot of touchdowns. But Le'Veon Bell in that offense in Pittsburgh is just—it's insane. He what he was doing with the ball last year was just out of out of this world, and he looks better this year in the preseason than he did last year. Um, in 14 games, I believe he'll outscore Jamal Charles in 16 games, which is why he's my two. That's fine. Yeah, no, I, can def- I can definitely see that. That makes perfect sense. But you got to have somebody there for the first two weeks. So I'm with you on that one too. Juice. As he calls himself, as they call him in the league, looks like he has zero body fat on him this season. He looked kind of chunky coming out of Michigan State. He you did. will not deny that. No, I He does that. not look like that anymore. That was like, one of my biggest problems with him coming out of Michigan State. Like, <laughs> he looks fucking jacked. Oh, he, he does. He scares the shit out of me. He's, he's... <laughs> like, and then there's... Like, I follow him on Facebook now. He's a great Facebook follow. If you follow anybody on Facebook, I don't really follow that many people. But he's a good one because he will post him just doing work on the practice field. Doing, like, lightning fast feet and then just destroying defenders as a receiver. Like, lined up as a receiver, you know, one foot in front of the other, you know, taking guys off the line and destroying them. Yeah, he could do it all. Uh, I mean... Plain and simple, if he if he was playing 16 games, he would be my number one. As much oh, no as I doubt. love AP this year, he would be the number one back. No doubt, no. especially in PPR. I think in PPR we have Bell slightly ahead of Peterson. We should. Uh, just because he might catch 30 more passes. We still think AP is going to catch in the 40 range, yep. maybe top out at 50. Uh, but, you know, Le'Veon Bell is going to be in the 70 range. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, Tight ends. Tight ends. We could start off with Gronk. No. Yeah, too, too to easy? I mean, especially with Brady back. Yeah, with Brady back, I mean, obviously that... It's Gronk. It's a Gronk, and uh, I mean, that helps his overall ADP in my mind, too. I was not 
even close to thinking about taking him as a first rounder or even as a second rounder. I was yeah. maybe tail end of the second for me. He'd be interesting in the middle of the second for me now. Not it's close when you get to the beginning of the second round with me. It's just I haven't liked looking at any roster that has him in the, in that first round pick. That's it. But he is the best tight end on the board, easily. Don't need to say a whole hell of a lot more. I, I do think that in like a very small team uh, league, in like an eight team league or a six team league, I like Gronk a lot more then. Absolutely, because all the talent end, you can get. <laughs> top end talent matters so much more in small leagues. Yep. That Gronk is a huge value, but you still have to take him in like the second round, unfortunately. Uh, in a six team, yeah, six to eight team leagues, which you don't find a whole hell of a lot of them anymore. Get, get, get more fucking friends. It's <laughs> <laughs> a great way of putting it. Uh, I'm looking at you. <laughs> <laughs> Next, uh, yeah, that's uh, kind of insane. All right, so let, let's just move on to tier two. Um, sitting there are, I'll mention all three of them together because I think we've mentioned it many a times. It's Jimmy Graham, uh, Greg Olson, and, and Travis Kelsey. And we now have Greg Olson and Jimmy Graham technically tied collectively for us. Uh, and depending on your league's scoring, I don't care if you take Greg Olson before you know Jimmy Graham. Uh, in PPR scoring, the thing is, you're not. You won't have to, because you could still take Greg Olson in the fifth, Travis Kelsey in the fifth or sixth, while you know Jimmy Graham is going second, third turn. Third, yeah, it's true, and that's just the way it is. I listen. Graham isn't going to catch nearly as many passes as he as he did in New Orleans, um, and he won't even get as much red zone look. You know, he's not going to have as many touchdowns. So your expectations of him have to go down. I still think it's. I still think it's pretty high. You know, he's uh, definitely an, an insane talent, and uh, Russell Wilson will find him out there. They don't have a ton of wide receiver talent. Um, Wilson extends plays, which is also good for Graham, uh, getting more passes. So that's that, definitely going to help him. I still think that he's the number two guy, but you can make an argument for, for Olsen or Kelsey uh, in this situation. Those, I think all three of those guys at this point are pretty interchangeable. I, I don't see a whole hell of a lot of difference between all three of them. I still have Olsen as my four. And Kelsey is my three, uh, simply because I don't think that the loss of Benjamin helps Olsen as much as you think. I think that puts more pressure on him and more coverage on him, which is not a good thing for Olsen. Um, but it does get him more volume and more targets. I just so think targets think are all that matters at the end of the day at the tight end position. Uh, Especially when it's such a touchdown-dependent position outside of you know Rob Gronkowski that you have to pretty much count on targets. That's the only thing that's dependable when it comes to tight ends. Yes. The thing is that if you're being doubled and you're being forced the ball, even if he gets 20 more targets, I don't think that that equates to 20 more catches. I think that equates to maybe seven or eight more catches. And it gets a lot of forced passing by Newton because there's nobody else to throw to. Um, maybe those six or seven extra catches, seven or eight extra catches, turns into one, maybe two more touchdowns, but I don't think that that puts him... At number two, I think it's interchangeable. With, with I Graham think they're all Kelsey. interchangeable. Yeah. No matter how you want to slot this tier, I will not agree with you. Or I will not disagree with you. Disagree. Excuse yeah, me. agree. Uh, the thing is, I just take the guy who's last, which is usually Travis Kelsey. Yeah, <laughs> yeah which is perfectly Because fine. I think they're all exactly the same. Yep. Um, moving on from those three, there's not really a whole, whole lot you got to say that we haven't said before. Uh, we, we love Kelsey. We've been in love with Kelsey for uh, since he was drafted. 
Um, and we're very happy that he broke out last year and that he's going to get an even better opportunity this year uh, to shine, which he will in, in that KC offense. Uh, moving on to the next tier. Uh, this is where it starts to get a little dicey, gets a little tougher to predict, a little tougher to figure out who should really be there at this point. Um, Here's what I do here. I take the absolute last tight end because I think they're all pretty much exactly the same. Uh, you know, yeah. I just wait and I wait and I wait and I wait because I think they're all interchangeable. I mean, they each have some pros and some cons. They each have question marks that we might know. We might be projecting a lot more for other guys uh, than we are projecting for some other guys and, you know, basing that off their talents and situation, but we don't know. The fact of the matter is that after those top four, you might as well wait until the 10th, 11th, even 12th round. You could, you could even pick up certain guys in the 12th round that could very well outscore uh, Martellus Bennett, who we have at five. You know, um, Bennett obviously is in a better situation than most. He'll get more targets uh, than most of these guys, and he is used in the red zone. Um, so, I mean, he does have a bit of the trust from Cutler. So that definitely helps him there, uh, as opposed to some of these other guys. But you can—I mean, you can make a case for Tyler Eifert. You can make a case for uh, Jason Witten. You can make a case for uh, you know Julius Thomas or even you know, Dwayne Allen or Josh Hill, Antonio Gates. You can make a case for anybody over Martellus Bennett, number five. But that's what I mean when I say it, it gets really dicey here. You're kind of splitting hairs when you're talking about these next 20, you know, 15, 20, 15 to guys. twenty guys. Yeah. Like, because we have Heath Miller at tight end 22, and he could put up the exact same numbers as Jason Witten. In fact, he did, except for touchdowns. Yeah. So that's what we're talking about. Like, we don't know game flow, and we don't know how where touchdowns are going to be distributed. As much research as we do, that's the major question when it comes to the tight end position. Who is going to get tight, uh, targeted in the red zone? That's why we like Bennett a little bit more. That's why we have him at tight end five. And that's why we like Jordan Cameron a little bit more at tight end six. It's because they have no one else who's really a red zone dominator on their team. Uh, you know, Alshon Jeffrey could be considered one, but walking boot and injury might be more serious than the Bears are letting on yep. and all that kind of news scares you a little bit. And if Bennett's your top receiving target, great. And you're getting him in the seventh round? You're you're stealing, yeah. And then Jordan Cameron, you know, same sort of situation. I don't think he'll ever be that uh, sort of top. I think he's capped out. At like I don't think he'd be a top three at the position again. But no, he could you know catch seven or eight touchdowns and have you know seven hundred to eight hundred yards. Yeah, and another thing about Jordan Cameron as opposed to some other you know some of the other tight ends that we might talk about. This kid is a fucking athlete. I mean, this kid can do it all when it comes to athleticism. He's fast. He's strong. He's got good hands. Uh, he, he can he can do it all from that position. I, you can't say that about everybody on this list. Um, so he has the opportunity to really bust out and, and put up some good numbers, which is why we like him a little higher than some of the others. Um, the next guy we have there. It, I want to move him down. It's a <laughs> it's a dicey it's a weird situation because his big playability and that offense allows for him to have such huge games that he'll put up fantasy points more than some of the others. Let's talk about him without ever saying his name and see if people can guess. 
<laughs> it's in a such high-powered offense. He's a big, highly drafted, athletic guy who needs more targets. The question is, does he get more targets? Yeah, and that is a good question. I mean, does he get more snaps? Does he get more routes run? Because he only ran like 20 routes a game. I know, which is really disappointing, especially when you consider the fact that he could probably beat corners. I mean, he could play as a wide receiver. He's so fast and good with the, good with off the line there. Um, I, I don't know. I, I like him at seven simply because there will be a couple few games like he showed last year uh, when he caught how, how 11 many? Eleven passes. Eleven passes on how many times? It was like fifteen. Yeah, it was it was insane. Um, we gotta eventually say the name here. <laughs> We're talking Zacherts. Zacherts. That was a fun game. That for was a while. fun. I'm sure people are like, yeah. I can't quite figure out. It is. It's Zach Ertz. He has the potential to be up there. It just depends on how much Chip Kelly is going to play him. The fact that he has that injury that he's dealing with and he had that surgery, um, the fact that Selleck is such a great blocker, the fact that Chip Kelly loves him, caps Ertz a little bit, but he was really playing well until all of a sudden the injury and the surgery. Yeah, let's move on to Tier 4. At the top of that, we've got a guy who we're really excited about who we expect to be the next big thing at the tight end position from the Bengals. We've got a Tyler Eifert. And if, you know, the Noonan were still here, he'd be, like, sobbing over, all over the microphone talking about Tyler <laughs> He'd be licking the microphone. <laughs> he loves this guy so much. I mean, he's a wide receiver playing tight end. He's he big enough uh, to beat linebackers, big enough to beat corners, fast enough to beat safeties. And you just gotta like what he can do as an athlete. We just gotta hope that he can stay healthy, as that's been his major question. He can catch everything. He's fast. He can block. There's no more Jermaine Gresham. There's plenty of targets to go around after AJ Green. This run game should be dynamic. Hugh Jackson likes to use the tight end position, uh, as seen with Zach Miller in Oakland earlier in his career. Uh, there's just nothing that is a real drawback. Except he's that unknown. Yeah. And that's why I'd rank him over some guys, though, unfortunately. Yeah. I'd rank him over a Delaney Walker. I'd rank him over a Jason Witten. Just because. You know thing, what those other guys are going to do, pretty much. The yeah. thing is, the home run the that you could hit there is so much better than with any other guy. The upside for, for, for Eifert is just... It, outdoes a lot of these other guys because you know what you're going to get from these other guys. You know what they can and cannot do in their respective offenses or within their respective talents. Um, his talent, he, he's a first-round pick. Not many tight ends can say that they were first-round picks in life. He was a first-round pick for a reason, and he's about to show it this year, and that offense is so wide open with so much talent all over it. Uh, he's going to find openings, and that's just the way it's going to be with him. Um, Moving on, though, these are the next uh, The next three guys are kind of steady Eddie-type guys that have potential in certain situations. And I mean, next on the list is a Delaney Walker. Um, you're talking about an offense that is capped in itself a little bit uh, in, in Tennessee there. fact of the matter is, is that he's one of the few guys that had over uh, 100 targets last year. Granted, it's, it's different now because you have Mariota running the offense. It's a, it's a you know, a rookie there now, but that actually usually plays into a tight end's hands. Rookies tend to find tight ends more often than not. That's um, an easy dump off. They're bigger. Uh, you see them better uh, because they're taller usually. That helps, uh, especially as a somewhat shorter uh, quarterback like a Mariota. Actually, he's not that short, but um, it definitely helps in, in situations like that. 
So, I, I mean, I don't know. He's not sexy, but he's going to get targets, and he's going to put up some decent numbers. And you can get him late. Yes. The, the only question is, Mariota's never been you know, a guy who's used a tight end in his career just because that system you know, didn't really have one. Is he going to be able to sort of transition to using a tight end a little bit more? Uh, that's the only sort of drawback I can really find with Delaney Walker. Besides that, he should see a crap ton of targets. He's a reliable receiver, and he's got some explosiveness he does. that a lot of these guys don't have. He's you know taken one for sixty-seven yards, and like he's made some nice big plays that you don't see out of the Jason Witten types. No, you don't see it out of many of these guys, to be quite honest. Exactly, sixty-seven yard catch and run. I mean, that's just that's kind of rare out of a tight end uh, to be able to do that. Is not easy, but that's. The, the whole Mariota situation, like you were talking about what he's used to in college, that's why Kendall Wright shed up my, uh, my, my tears. You know, first of all, he's the only dependable receiver there at this point. The only one that you really know is, is going to be in that starting lineup first and foremost. But he, he, Wiz, I'm talking to you, buddy. Will you please move Kendall Wright around the formation, not just in the slot, and get him the ball in space as well as deep sometimes? Because he can do both. I, I plead. I plead with you. I, I plead with you, Wiz. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, that's the type of player, uh, the dynamic uh, speed, uh, who, who could create his own plays and uh, you know bust through uh, small holes here and there uh, that Mariota loves to throw to. He's used to it in college. Uh, right would be perfect in this situation. Him and Wright working together, I think, is, is a great thing. But back to Walker. It's got that explosiveness. Next on the list is Jason Witten. Um, Steady Eddie should see more targets with the departure of DeMarco Murray. Not a lot of, you know, runs to go around. They're not. They can't possibly run at all that much and be that effective. Uh, and that was one of the main reasons Jason Witten had a you know down season a bit last year. And even in that down season, he was pretty startable in fantasy, which is sort of sad. <laughs> yeah, it is sort of sad, but he'll get more play this year. Um, they aren't. I don't know if he could, I don't know if he could possibly get more play than the like hundred percent of snaps he well, does play. Play, <laughs> play meaning um, targets. 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 <laughs> uh, he'll get more uh, more love from Romo this year. They won't be uh, running the ball nearly as much. Obviously, this year they don't have the talent uh, to be able to do that or the dependability uh, in the backfield there. So Witten will. Just up his targets, which automatically ups his value in fantasy. I mean, basically, the difference between 2013 to 2014 was 20 targets for Jason Witten. So if he meets in the middle and, you know, he finished with uh, last year 64 catches for 703 yards and five touchdowns. The year before, he finished with 73 catches for 851 yards and eight touchdowns. I don't see the eight touchdowns coming again. But is he going to be more of a 75 catch for 850-yard guy with five touchdowns? And that's going to put him as like a borderline top 10 tight end. Yeah, I mean, and that's just the way. It, listen, you're, you're not going to you're not going to be like tremendously happy any particular week when Witten's on your team. But he's somebody that you're going to be happy at the end of the year that you had as opposed to some of the other guys. Yeah, uh, it's not like he's a world beater in any specific week. Only one get two games last season. With, Both against the Giants. With what two targets? 
Oh, I thought you were going to mention the, the, the good games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Only two games with like two targets, three targets, uh, three total games with less than five targets. So he's going to get work every week. He's dependable. Uh, the things he can do as a player you know, are going to be steady and not, not exciting or anything, but he's going to be there for you. Um, moving on to yeah. the next guy on the list... You know, we could talk about Jason Witten all day. Charles Clay. Charles Clay made a big 65-yard catch and run on, you know, preseason game three that had me a little excited with E.J. Manuel at quarterback. Yeah. But the things that also saw that I liked are the PPR aspects of this dink and dunk style offense that had me a little bit excited uh, with Tyrod Taylor just getting the ball out of his hands, getting it to those players in space. And Charles Clay has, you know, his previous, like, college halfback or fullback? I, I think that he was listed as, like, at the comment of it, listed as athlete is what they listed him at. It wasn't even, it was H-back slash athlete. It wasn't yeah. as tight end. Um, that's how athletic this guy is. That's how much he can he can do. He's he's uh, uh, He's got a lot of different facets to his game that they like using there, but it's, it's the offense, you're right, that they're running there that has me excited. This Greg Roman uh, offense is uh, its just going to its gonna pepper him more than people think. He's going to get the targets, and uh, it, it wouldn't shock me. Like, behind, like, maybe, a, you know, maybe, you know, obviously Sammy Watkins, it wouldn't shock me if he got the second most targets on the team. It wouldn't shock me at all if he got the second most targets, which is what you need to be successful as, as a tight end. Um, it's not easy to just have... You know, fifty targets and and have you know eight tutties. <laughs> yeah, eight tutties or whatever. I mean, it, granted, there's certain guys like a Dwayne Allen who, who gets stuff like that. Uh, you know, a couple other uh, names on the list, but Charles Clay is going to get peppered, and it's going to be interesting to to see what he does. And he's not a sexy name, and a matter of fact, I think most uh, most sites will have him listed down in the twenties when it comes to ranks for the yeah, tight ends. Eighteen to twenty. Yeah, you, uh, they're just. I'll tell you this right now, they're wrong. <laughs> They're wrong. We're right. Uh, he's going to get peppered, and it's going to be cool. I hope we're right on Kyle Rudolph. Me he's, too. He's my only tight end in my league, and I'm a little bit concerned about that, but I, the things that Nord Turner does with tight ends, the talent level of Kyle Rudolph, the accuracy of Teddy Bridgewater, the play action off of Adrian Peterson, the receivers on the outside with the Jets to leave the... You know, open field, middle of the field open for this guy. I, I see like a perfect storm. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, plus, with the fact that um, I wouldn't call Wallets or Charles Johnson red zone, you know, targets all that much either. Uh, sure, Pete Peterson's going to work in the in the red zone, which is huge. But I could see a bunch of touchdowns coming out of Rudolph. That guy could catch anything. Anything you, you you could throw it at his balls and his balls would make the catch. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, he's kind of a toss. He's kind of a, a wild card here. His talent puts him here, and the offense, the North Turner offense, puts him here too. Next, uh, we've got Dwayne Allen, who we've talked a lot about. You know, Houdini's on the Kobe Fleener squad. We're all on the Dwayne Allen squad. Uh, the thing is, I just think he's gonna. He's going to get his. Yeah. He's going to be on the field. That's the key. He's on the field for every play because he's a better blocker. Let's let's talk about their base formation. Andre Johnson, T.Y. Hilton, Dwayne Allen, Frank Gore, and, you know, 
wide receiver. They, they run I mean, more okay. three wide sets. They will this season. Yeah. So you know Philip Dorsett or Dante Moncrief or Kobe Fleener. Yeah. That's their base set. Yeah. So they're switching out those three guys. They're sort of rotating them in and out. So the question is, Fleener's going to get his just by being on the field. It's just sort of those things that happen. He's he's not my tight end target though. He's not really some guy I'd want on my team. Who, Allen or Fleener? Allen. Yeah. Fleener, I, I definitely wouldn't want on my team. No, me neither. But I think I could do better at the tight end position just by sheer volume of targets and potential, you know, touchdown ability. Uh, he's just he's slow and steady, and you've got to predict the games he scores the touchdowns, or you've got to be careful or you know adequate with two points. On two catches for 24 yards. There, there are not a lot of teams like this, but they basically uh, uh, employ a, a TEBC. Uh, it is. It, it's a tight end by committee almost. You know, the tight ends will put up a lot of points uh, in their offense combined. <laughs> but uh, I mean, if Allen, who hasn't been able to totally stay healthy, uh, if he happens to get injured again, Fleener did awesome last year as the tight end. There, the solo tight end. Uh, but when Dwayne Allen is healthy and playing, he gets the touchdowns and he gets the play because he's a much better blocker. It's tough to choose from either one there. The guy that we have uh, in between um, those two guys is Julius Thomas, who, if he was going to be healthy the whole season, would be above both those guys. No but, but he's not. Um, he's supposedly going to be out at least first three games, possibly four, maybe five. Who knows when exactly when he'll come back. When he does come back, though, I think he is going to get targets in that offense. He's going to get targets. They said he's looked great yeah. you know, all preseason. And there is no giant red zone threat on that team. Agreed. We talked about how we think Yeldon will get some red zone carries. But that doesn't mean you know, we, that he's suddenly going to score 15 touchdowns. And we don't think Julius Thomas is going to be out of the end zone very much. I mean, if he only plays 12 games... I think he scores a touchdown in half the games he plays. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a realistic expectation of him coming over and being such a red zone maven. I don't think Allen Robinson's going to be a huge touchdown guy, unfortunately. So, and I don't think, I think they're going to be spread out all over the field. It is going to be spread out. You know, here's the th- I mean, Julius Thomas is another one of those guys that I put in the uber athlete uh, you know, conversation. Um, and we're about to talk about another one coming up here pretty soon, too. That uh, uh, I don't know. It's it's tough to take Julius knowing he's going to miss the first three, four games, but he's going to fall a lot because of that, and you'd be just fine grab, grabbing him a little later. Would you uh, rather have Julius Thomas missing four games or Antonio Gates missing four games? Good question. Very good question. Um, wow. Uh it's a tough one to answer. I know you. You <laughs> have I don't know. I don't know. It's that's a real tough one to answer. Um, it's a toss up. It, it's a it's a You're toss okay up. Okay, either way. I'm okay either way. Would uh, you pair them? Would you play a Ladarius Green Antonio Gates combo? Would you play a Ladarius Green Julius Thomas combo? Ooh, ooh. I don't know, and I don't want to talk about it because I'm not going to do any of that anyway. <laughs> but um, I don't know. It's that's a that, that's a very good question. But that's one of the guys that we're about to talk about here is is Gates, uh, the next tier that we're in here, tier six, 
as our 16th, 17th, and 18th ranked guys. Josh Hill, Antonio Gates, and Austin Safarian Jenkins. Um, a lot of talk early in the preseason and basically as soon as Graham was jettisoned, um, the talk about Josh Hill just started going berserk. It's been calmed down quite a bit. The whole team, uh, the coaches, everybody says that it's Ben Watson's job. He's the starter and everything, which may may very well be true. But the fact is, is that Ben Watson um, is not what he used to be. How old is Ben Watson? Too old. 34. 34. Ben Watson's older than shit. Yeah, but he's dependable. <laughs> yeah, he's dependable and he's been within this offense for quite some time. And he's put in his dues that they're giving him his chances here. Uh, Breeze still likes him, you know, but the fact is that Hill is way more athletic than people realize, and he's bigger, uh, a bigger target, and he catches well. So within that Saints offense that everybody says is going to change a lot and move more towards the running game, it hasn't shown that in the preseason. They're going to need somebody out there catching that ball, and Ben Watson's a good blocker, so they're going to need him on the line. Hill's going to be going out and catching passes. Do you remember Andrew Luck's rookie year? Yeah, Do you remember yeah. the setup of that offense? You know, you've got a young T.Y. Hilton. You've got uh, Dwayne Allen, who's a dependable blocker, uh, Ben Watson. And you've got a Kobe Fleener-type Josh Hill. Yeah. yeah. That's sort of how I see this looking. Sure. Uh, you know, Reggie Wayne, probably there's nobody on this offense like that. Maybe Marcus Colston. Yeah. Uh, but I think they'll run a lot of two tight end sets that will make uh, – you know, Josh Hill valuable, and when they want to split a tight end out wide, it will be Josh Hill. Josh For Hill sure. uh, was split out wide in the preseason game, got a red zone target uh, on the outside, didn't come down with it, unfortunately. But, you know, they threw it up to him, showing they have some belief in him. And I still think his uber athleticism will get him on the field. And at the tight end position, they, they call him a sub package player, but at the tight end position, that doesn't really matter. It's true. You know, you, there's two types of tight ends. There's the guys who are on the field every down, and then there are the receiving threat tight ends. And when you're talking about guys you want on your team, it's usually the receiving threat tight ends or the other guys who are dependable blockers. You know, your debate, which guys are more likely to break out? You know, it's the sub-package players. It's the receiving tight ends, for sure. And Hill was showing me last year that he can be a, a guy like that. I just, I'm having a tough time trusting it just yet. Uh, my guess is that he'll be taken before I, before he, I'm willing to take him. He's so, on the waiver wire in my league right now. Yeah, so he won't be on my team. And uh, to be honest, I think that he might be on, I don't know. He might be on a lot of waiver wires. He I'm might not, be, I don't know. He's a flyer. He's a that if you don't get a tight end, you know, and want to swing for the fences, Josh Hill is a better pick than. You know, He's a off. good fences to throw, so, you know, to throw a dart at the board type of guy yep. for sure. Um, moving along, uh, we just talked about Gates. Yeah, he's going to miss the first four games. But when he comes back, he might have a slight chip on his shoulder. Uh, he's still going to be uh, a, a big you know, target for, for Rivers. Um, he's always worked well in that offense, and they don't seem to fully trust or want to go with Ladanian. Ladarius. Ladarius, jeez. Ladanian Green. Yeah. <laughs> now, as a fantasy player, I would start a tight end. Absolutely. <laughs> 28 uh, tutties from the tight end position. Gates is still worth taking. 
Um, you'll have to wait four games to use him, but uh, he's going to be dropping a lot. And with the amount of talent that's out there at the tight end position, you could take Gates late and wait and still have somebody to fill in for those first four weeks and be okay with it. Keith Miller, yeah. maybe Jordan Reed even. Sure. Darius Green, Larry Dinell, potentially. Yeah, oh, any of those guys for sure. season schedule. Uh, you know, next guy we've got is ASJ. I just don't know. That offense has not looked great. They've got two huge wide receivers on the outside. Uh, ASJ is an athletic freak. He's another, you know, dartboard to throw. He is. He could be great, but I don't see him getting a ton of yards in that offense, that's for sure. Even though Jameis Winston is a guy who loves his tight ends. That's, see, that's that's the key to me uh, with me with this guy right now. Um, first of all, he's... And they say it's about some guys. I don't spread these words around specifically to just anybody, so I, I kind of believe it here. He's unguardable, uncoverable in camp, uncoverable in practices, then again, it's that Bucks defense, which isn't all that great in the first place, so it's no surprise he's uncoverable by anybody they have. Um, but the fact is, is, he is an athlete. Uh, the kid's a really good athlete, and yes, Winston does love his tight end, so he could be getting some work. The fact that Vincent Jackson's getting old um, and can't jump the way he used to, the fact that Mike Evans already has a bit of a, a hammy problem, just it gives him that little more that bigger boost up the, our rankings a little bit than maybe some of the others. He's a dart throw though, absolutely. He didn't show much last year, but that was with terrible quarterback play and not very good running back play. Um, it'll be interesting. He's worth the, he's worth the dart throw late, in my opinion. Yep, and then our next guy is a Vernon Davis, who used to be a staple of the top five tight end position. Greg Roman ruined him over the last you know year or so. Mostly just last year, maybe the last two. Can he ever get back to being a red zone dominator like he was early in his career? I mean, I think his like touchdown percentage in the red zone from uh, 2008 to 2012 was 56%, which is second like only to Gronk, which is pretty good. Pretty darn good, absolutely. But that's kind of, you're depending on him going back to old form somehow late in his career. It's another, a dart, uh, it's it another dart throw. It's and another dart throw. If you're waiting for a guy with you know elite athleticism who's done it before, you know he's about the only guy you can wait for. I, I draft him real late. I wouldn't reach for him at all. Not no, at all. I mean, if if he's there in the twelfth round and you don't have a tight end, sure. But if you're reaching up the board in the eighth round to draft Vernon Davis, you're no, making a mistake. That's not the chance you want to be taking. Oh, and Daniels. All right, here's the, here's the thing. This is going to be another one of those um, TEBCs, the tight end by committee, at first. Owen Daniels, I think, is going to get uh, the play at first because he's Kubiak's guy, and he brought him in specifically because he knows uh, what Kubiak likes and he knows how to play within Kubiak-type offenses. Um, my problem with this is that He's getting to the point where he's too old to run efficient routes and get open enough uh, to do any fantasy damage for anybody's team. Will he be somewhat dependable for a little while? Sure. But he also hasn't had a complete season since, I think it's 2008 was the last time he played all 16 games. Um, he's slowed down. He's sure he could catch the ball, but he's not somebody who's going to break 
open for a touchdown uh, when you need it. Virgil Green is. Virgil Green is another one of those athletic specimens that, um, strangely enough, his biggest drawback, and it's a, this is the funny thing, the reason why he fell in the draft a, a, bunch, a, few, a handful of years ago, a few years ago, is because that he couldn't block. But everybody thinks right now that he's the blocking tight end, that he's a blocking tight end. The thing is, is he worked so hard at it that he is very good at blocking now. He's the best run-blocking tight end in football And then insane, right but he didn't get drafted until I think it was the seventh round by the Broncos. Out of Nevada. Uh, uh, it uh, was in 2011. Because he couldn't block. He was so good at catching the ball and running with the ball and making plays with his hands that he was considered a worthwhile draft prospect. But they th- said that his blocking was so bad back then that that's why he fell so far. And now he's the best blo- uh, blocking, uh, run-blocking tight end in the league, pretty much. That says breakout to me, especially in this Broncos offense. Um, I think it's, it's unfortunate that Owen Daniels is going to get first shot at that role uh, because he's Kubiak's boy. But watch with Virgil Green. He's the dart throw that you want to throw the dart for. I want to watch this Broncos first game. Yeah. That's something I'm very interested yeah, absolutely. in watching. I want to see how they use Virgil Green. I want to see how they throw Owen Daniels. I might put in it, if, depending on, i got to look at my roster, but if I have a open roster spot with some of these recent moves, I might just make that early pickup of a Virgil Green. Yeah. I, I'm a huge fan of that one. If you want to take a chance later and you don't have a, a, a tight end that you are confident in and want to go into the season saying, this is my guy, and you feel like you need somebody else, Virgil Green will probably be out there, and that's the one you want to go grab. Well, that that's our top 20 tight ends. We also threw Virgil Green in there because it's a tight end by committee. Uh, you know, He's our 21st tight end. We're talking about Owen Daniels and Virgil Green there. Um, but that that that's it for us today. We got through all of our tight ends, all of our running backs uh, in the top t- uh, 50 running backs, top 20 tight ends. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at P-Y-R-O-M-A-N, the number one AC. Uh, you can also follow us uh, on Facebook at pi- facebook.com slash pyromaniac. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spreaker. And that is out. This is our final episode of the off-season. Yep. Time for regular season football now. It's a coming, boys. Time to finally look at the week one matchups besides my DFS lineup. Yep. That I've already been throwing uh, <laughs> throwing probably way too much money into week one when I don't think I know enough. <laughs> but if you guys have drafts in the next couple of days. Grab our kit real quick. It'll help you a ton going into those drafts. I got my big one on Monday with D-Rex, uh, the league that we've been doing together for over 20 years. 20, uh, oh, God. Uh, hold the couch. 25 years. Oh, something it's now. older than me. <laughs> <laughs> not, not quite, but close. <laughs> yeah, uh, looking forward to that one. Uh, have, a, have a great Labor Day weekend. And uh, anything else? Val Verde. We're out. Peace. It's another lonely evening In another lonely town But I ain't too young to worry I ain't too old to cry 
when a woman gets me down. Got another empty bottle. Mm, in another empty bed.
track. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.